And we're back. I'm James. This is the Quiz Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. I'm Brent. I'm James. <laughs> James, thanks, man. You're welcome. What do you know this week? Um, How'd your teams do this weekend? How'd your NFL team do? Good. Who is your NFL team? 49ers? Yes. All right. So how late did we stay up last night on a school night? About to 10 o'clock. Actually passed. Yeah. And then what happened at the end? The 49ers lost. But we're still Niners fans, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) We've made a lot of progress this year, guys. Doing good. A lot of progress. Doing good. And Nick Osmo got his first two touchdowns for Sideho. Yeah, his first two rushing touchdowns. Sure did. That's exciting. Yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, bud. All right. <laughs> Always good to open with James. <clears throat> so, guys, how was California? Terrible. No, it was good. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. It drives me nuts. It seems like every year this conference is during a home football game. It is, right? Yeah. Um, it was good. We got to watch the game. So, um, we, Mike and I were in San Francisco for the Realtor Conference. And we looked on the gogrizz.com website and found there is a official Grizz Watch Party Bar hosted by a UM alumni. And it is a bar called Ricky's Sports Theater. And it is in San Leandro, which is close to Oakland, basically. So a little bit of a hike to get to. And I will say, if you judge theater by the number of screens <laughs> that you could pack into a place... They're at the top of the list. There were so many screens, like individual seats at the bar had screens. Like, <laughs> you had the big TV and like six little ones on either side of the big one. And there's all these different rooms with big TVs. It was crazy. Yeah, it was a it was a larger place than it appeared to be, but it was very dive bar y. It, it was something. It, it was got some tweets and some replies. It's a big Raiders bar. And that was clear. And very clear. <laughs> Had a little case with some Montana Grizzly stuff. And there yeah. was like a little, I found a <clears throat> picture on the wall where it was some people holding the Grizz flag from like two dot. And they'd send it, awesome they'd send it over to, <laughs> that's to kind Ricky's. of what's fun. It's so, like, I mean, it, it had a lot of character to it and it had a lot of characters in it too. So it was a, it was a fun place. And we randomly, there's a couple guys from Missoula sitting at the bar that then came it, for the Raiders game. Then there was another guy who came like when we were losing three to nothing. It was like, I'm going to feel better when we're, when we're up seven to three, which didn't happen. But then he disappeared. I don't know who that guy was. Well, he said he was in Missoula a few weeks before. So who knows, but it's a bar where everything it, it, it's not, they've just kind of continually added on to spaces in it. And so there's all sorts of different rooms and locations and wings. And so there was a, group in the back watching the Florida Gators and there was a group two people watching Kansas State and there's so it's like you can go all over the place and have your own watch party and that's what we did were the two dot people Bobby Houck fans did they know him <laughs> there this was a thing on the wall the two dot oh, people weren't there okay so, yeah <laughs> I was gonna say do you know where two dots near is it near Shelby no I don't know big timber yeah big timber it's, near big it's, timber. it's closest to Harleton you got White Sulphur Springs to the west, Big Timbers to the south. 
just I just know you two Missoula See, I was gonna say, city you folk. You bring such a dimension to this pod that Brent and I can't, can't match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm only helpful for talking about eastern <laughs> Montana towns, yeah. less than five thousand people. And, Isn't that all of them? And and, and good uh, historical knowledge of high school football. Yeah. <laughs> Which, speaking of high school football, the Sentinel Spartans are hosting the uh, semifinals. Uh, in Missoula County Stadium this weekend. Sure are. And it is, I heard, the first semifinals to be hosted in Missoula in 23 years. Wow. Which is, considering there are three AA schools in Missoula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like a sizable Class B school, two two sizable Class B schools, right? Yeah, but Loyola's hosted a ton of players <clears throat> over the years. Well, I'm just saying that if maybe Bozeman had a couple more schools, yeah, they wouldn't well, they're going to open a new one next year, so they'll start to experience that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> is that Sentinel game? Is it during the Grizz game, too? They're usually Friday night in AA. Right? I thought I was reading something, though, that uh, these later ones moved to Saturday. Boy. But I could be wrong. During the Grizz game, that'd be an unfortunate. But that happens every year. With I mean, I remember... Loyola hosted Eureka a couple years ago for the state championship, I think. During Grizz Cat? During Cat Grizz, yeah. You mean Grizz Cat? Grizz Cat in Missoula. <sighs> so, tough. You got to pick and choose. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brent, what was this, or Luke, what was the stadium like this week? You know, it was hot, cold. I mean, it was nice out, right? But um, our slow start mm-hmm. felt a little weird. You know, it was military appreciation day we had the flyover the flyover which is always really cool yeah i have i do have some reservations about the bleeding of patriotism and sports <laughs> but regardless it's always cool to see the flyover um you know it wasn't a sellout right that, i mean i think they sold all the tickets per se but the stadium wasn't full the student section um was pretty empty <laughs> so and it was weird i think that slow start uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, really took some air out of this, out of the warm up. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I, I really think the warm up, the excitement of you know uh, of bringing the players out is really such a cool atmosphere. But we started low energy and we didn't really regain it. By the time we re- probably the peak energy point was the second quarter. Um, when Dalton came back, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, probably after his first first pass attempt was maybe high energy, maybe the first <laughs> score, but yeah, it wasn't a great environment. I would say overall, not even you know, certainly not a top ten Wagres moment of the last five years. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you look at especially in conference games in Washington Grizzly, so Idaho State, we're down seventeen zero at the ha- at the first quarter, right? Yep, Eastern. Were we down fourteen to three or something like that? That sounds right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, just last and week. then Idaho. I mean, I guess we're improving, but Idaho we're down ten to nothing. So it's just like, yeah, oh yeah, we went up three points, and then we were down fourteen three into the second. And so it's, it's just kind of funny because it's like, you know, the grids come out the tunnel and everyone's excited, and then your first like your first let's just say forty five to sixty real minutes are sitting in the stands going, what the fuck yeah <laughs> like what is happening and then they put it together so like you come in and maybe you've you're a little tuned up and you're feeling good and you're rowdy ready to go and then it's just like then you're just hanging out and there's not a lot of excitement for a little while and we start clawing <laughs> back in that second yeah. quarter and then halftime hits 
everyone empties out of the stadium. Yep. And then they bleed back in slowly, but it never quite gets back to where it started. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the energy diagram, if you could if you could map it out, was kind of some some lows, some valleys, a couple highs. Yeah. And, you know, by the time the fourth quarter rolls around, we had control this game. Yeah. Uh, and so there wasn't a whole lot to get excited about as far as, like, on the edge of your seat. Well, that's definitely how it was when we were watching the bar. We, In the bar. We, we um, you know, Brent being a good, you know, includer. Invited anybody from Montana who wanted to come, <laughs> and some cat fans came. <laughs> Have you heard of Montana? No, not French Montana. Get out of here. And Montana, the French state. Montana. A nice lady we work with out of Billings was like, "You guys aren't getting very excited." And yeah, you're real quiet for watching your team. You just couldn't get into the flow of it. Yeah, and of course, yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> I was kind of wondering if you guys took touchdown shots there. <laughs> no, <laughs> we had stuff to do later that day. <laughs> Um, <laughs> should have. We probably should have. Yeah, I, I mean that would have. So let's made it interesting. Let's let's get into it. Let's do it. Um, the Grizz start out with the ball. Mm-hmm. Wait, I don't even know if that's true. No, I, no, um, they, no. We, Idaho. We kicked. We kicked the Idaho. Yeah. Um, and we force a punt. Yeah. So we come out. First play is a handoff to Marcus Knight. Second play, they call a pass. Uh, Cam directly hands it back to Idaho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad pass. Bad pass. I have saw some interesting comments, and of course it's tough to say because we don't know the playbook, right? But some people were saying that it was going to Jerry, I think, right? It was thrown to Jerry. And it was like Jerry stopped his route. And so if it was like a an audible based on coverage or something and one of the two of them made the mistake, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's tough to say. It's tough to say, but, but I mean, bad pick right in the guy's hands. No one even there. I mean, I rewatched it. It's like whatever it was, Jerry wasn't even looking for it. Not to say that I think maybe Jerry should have been looking for it because he'd already made his cut. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, I don't know when you start looking back at the quarterback, but that would seem like a good. And if if the ball had been thrown accurately and Jerry had been looking for it, he actually had daylight at an angle. So mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, who knows? You know, mistakes happen. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is Cam's fifth quarter as the starting quarterback yep. for the Grizz. So uh, there's still some latitude on what you can expect from, you know, effectively your backup. Ninth quarter. but yeah. Is it his ninth quarter? Yeah, he started two games. Before. Two games. Sorry. Yes, you're right. Ninth quarter. Um, but the defense, I think they hold strong. They in Idaho's you know second possession they come down the field and the Grizz I, I think hold strong and hold them to a field goal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you know um, I think we had a, a sack on Mason Petrino, one of the many that we tallied up that day. So it kind of looked like disaster averted, at least early disaster. I was impressed. <laughs> this is going to be a theme. I was the impressed time. with the energy level of our defense. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to talk. I just don't want to kick the Grizz offense this first quarter. But I thought that the defense played well from start to finish in this game. Yeah, I agree. I, I think <clears throat> I talked about this, but I, I the the defensive unit to me that seems to have gotten just markedly better from especially week one to where we are now with their level of intensity and play and energy is the defensive line especially the defensive ends and babros and mamula um 
Deming and these guys are just, they are playing out of their mind good. And it, it's, I think they're really, it's kind of like that, that mean, nasty D line. And they've really helped set like a different level, uh, just a tone up front. And they're just feeding off of it. And we, they were, and it's like, you saw a little bit against Eastern. You saw a little bit more, a lot more against Portland state and even more against Idaho. And so it's like, this group is exciting to watch them start to click. I mean, you talk about groups that have improved from week one to where we are now. What are we technically week 11? Mm-hmm. So, um, D line. And I think they really help set a lot of the tone with just like how intense and how crazy they are. Yeah. So that sack by Jesse Sims plus mm-hmm. an intentional grounding penalty puts Idaho in the position of, you know, third and long. So tough situation to convert. They don't, but they kick a field goal. They're up three zero. Grizz get the ball back, and they put together a good drive. It was a really good drive. They converted first, fourth down twice. Twice. Yeah, they had four first downs on the drive. It's a long drive. It lasts over five minutes. And Marcus Knight has what I consider kind of a fluky fumble. I mean, there's a ball security issue on that play, but he spins away from a defender to miss a tackle. Yep. And he just happens to throw the ball, essentially, into the helmet of a linebacker. Yeah. So, I mean, I would agree it was a fluky fumble, and I don't think it's his fault. The problem is that you build up credibility with your other play, and I think that if Marcus Knight has one knock, and I think you, we've seen teams see it on film because they try and stand him up and strip him, they, th- they think they can get a fumble on him. Um, and, you know, Coach Houck said at QB Club this week, all fumbles are the same. <laughs> and notice he did not put him back in. For, good, for a good, chunk of the game. Like first two half. quarters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then credit to Knight, he still managed to score three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that was a play. I mean, it's one of those ones, yeah, like he – because he spun, and so he's like just – and balls out there. And you saw the replay on route. I mean, it was just like – it just got perfect positioning. Just helmet squeezes it right in and pops it out. And it pops out. So, you know, Idaho, of course, recovers. Um the Grizz defense force another punt. So Montana <laughs> recovers. You know they, they return the the punt. Jerry Louis McGee had a pretty fun punt return. Went thirty nine yards. And again, like series one, we have a short run this time to Osmo, followed by a Cam Humphrey interception. And at this point, what were you guys thinking in this bar? Down three zero, three straight possessions three straight turnovers actually my thought was three turnovers and only being down three zero even though they were going to drive it's like yeah. we're going to give up a touchdown here it's going to be 10 nothing and we're going to be damn lucky that it's only 10 nothing and not 21 zero but it was kind of one of those things where it's like so much bad happened so quickly that it's like there's just no way like to keep that pace we would have had <laughs> you know 12 turnovers in the game <laughs> like it just it, it, it was kind of clear there that if we could just settle down we're going to be fine. And I actually think that Cam would have settled down and it would have worked out. But I get they brought in Snead and I get it. And that was, I mean, that was, Cam was, at that point, was not, it appeared, because we've only seen it on TV. And again, this is the fan perspective of what you see versus maybe what the play actually was. But it, it, it kind of, that drive, some of these throws of Cam's just did not seem, they're behind receivers a little bit. That one, the interception, I mean, up in the air and 
into the end zone and Sammy probably he's behind the defenders, right? And he had to come back to it. And of yeah. course that's what knocked Sammy out of the game was that play, that interception. He didn't come back after that. And so, you know, you can't not blaming for the injury, of course, but that's just a part of the game and it happens. But like a lot of these passes they're off or behind or and he was struggling. It was a rough first quarter for him. It was and you know, you see these things where these guys, I mean, he had he the Eastern game, Cam was a game manager. And the Portland game, it was put on Cam to go out there and get it done, and he did. And so, you know, for, for guys kind of inserting themselves into this role and coming into a third game, another home game, knowing that it's going to be the last game that he's going to that he's going to be starting in because obviously Snead was they brought Snead back in but if they presumably would be playing this coming week for Weber so um you know it, it, it's tough to say but you kind of wonder if like maybe he was just like not like just maybe just there was something going on with that game it was it was a rough game and he was he was not looking that great at that point you see i kind of agree with mike um that I, I do think he would have settled down. I think so, too. I was a little surprised to see Snead roll out on the very next Grizz possession. <laughs> I know Snead and his competitive nature was chirping on the sideline <laughs> to the coaches saying, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Yep. Um, but I did think, you know, we're only down 10-0. Fluky turnovers of sorts. Like, you know, we had that long, you know, 60-yard drive that we would see him again. Yeah, and it was funny because, of course, we're at sports. Like, you got to play the drama angle, right? So they throw the pick, and then what do they see on the sideline? Sneed's got his helmet on. He's jogging. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, here's a play. Mason Petrino, incomplete. Okay, here's Sneed. He's warming up. And it felt like when the Packers were playing the um, the Chiefs and they cut to Patrick Mahomes standing on the sideline, it was like root cut to, like, Dalton, like, every third or fourth play, like, throwing a pass, throwing a pass. And they're like, we see Dalton Sneed, and he's warming up. And Mike and I are like, shit, because you really feel like at that point until they, they get in the end zone, but it's like they're down three points. We've had three ugly turnovers. Don't overreact. Don't don't rush Dalton back. Like, don't – I mean, we would, like, these next two games is where we need, Dal like, Dalton Sneed to go. And so, um, <laughs> so that was like – a couple of us in the bar there are like, oh, my God, what are we doing? And, of course, I mean, it, as we all know now, it, it, it worked out. But it was kind of one of these things where it felt it felt at the time like an overreaction. And, boy, Root Sports was living it up. I mean, <laughs> just, he's warming up. Here we go. But, Good TV. I, yeah. yeah. It kind of falls into one of those things where it's like, then you kind of wonder. It's like, if Dalton was ready to go, why didn't he go? But I get it, and I think they probably would have liked to hold him out another week just to be on the safe side. But you could tell in a little bit of Dalton's play, like he didn't scramble as yeah, much. He, he definitely he didn't he never slid with his feet for it, although he usually doesn't. Uh, but I mean, there's just a few things like what game was that where he we were way up and he dives and does a friggin' three sixty in the air. He had like he wasn't doing any crazy shit like that. But I mean. He's coming off an injury, hopefully. <laughs> he wouldn't, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, hopefully he's learned yeah, a little bit. Know, he's still learning things. He's still learning. Um, I loved his first play back is a 30-yard pass downfield to Mitch Roberts. <laughs> yep. Mitch Roberts had a great game. 
Talk about stepping up, huh? Yeah, but one thing we probably should talk about is um, on that last interception that Cam threw, Cam got hurt. Right, right. Yeah, we were talking about yeah. And and I mean, I, I guess more, sorry, I mean, obviously we, we talked about it, but I mean, um, more of like if he's out long term, what does that do? And obviously yeah. we have no idea. The Grizz are tight-lipped. Kem could play next week. Probably. He, yeah. Who knows? We know nothing. <laughs> but, I mean, we we talk about how deep we are at receiver, right? Well, Solskjaer's already not playing a little bit. We were playing a true freshman named White just to get him reps. One He's of my students. Awesome. But there's no <laughs> way they're going to waste his redshirt year. No. No. I mean, so it's like Robert stepped up. But, like, that's – I. so, I mean, obviously we talk about him getting hurt. But what do, what do the Grizz do? Like if it comes out for a while. I mean, and and we talked about this without a cam. It, it's interesting because we we've been saying so much. It's like oh, we got all these receivers. We do all this stuff. One guy gets shut down. He goes away. But the loss of a cam, I mean, noticeable. Yep. Uh, and of course, right? He's our best receiver. Now, Toure stepped and up. Toure stepped up. Robert stepped up, and um, and so they did but it just the the past game felt different because like the like the Portland game and these other games where it's like it would seem like there was a lot of stuff where if another team started working its way back in like a deep pass a big catch would be a cam and just slam the door shut mm-hmm. and we didn't have him in there and he's been our go-to guy like yeah. you know third and we need it it seems like cam has come up and with he's the he's been clutching those yeah and i think we're just going to have to see i mean we we're going to have Torre. we're going to have Jerry and it's, I think now it's Mitch. Yep. And then Flowers a little bit, I so think, but weird. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it. if Flowers played, it was in junk time and he didn't get a ball thrown his way. And for yeah. as fast as he is, I yeah. just don't, I don't get why he's not, you know, tough to say. Involved. Yeah. Tough to say. Yeah. I, I think that as, as easy as it seems to be, you know, I'm fast, agile, and athletic. More, I think a there's more a, to it than there's that. a little more to it. I think there's. I yeah. mean, like we just talked about, like maybe Jerry ran a wrong route, or it was a lot, like a line audible on a coverage. Maybe Flowers is having, isn't getting that or something. I mean, there there could be a lot of things that we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I actually think that we're still okay at wide receiver. Oh and yeah, oh yeah, especially. With what I think is a legitimate running game now, Helps. we don't have to be one-dimensional like we're in a Bob Stitt offense. Like right. we have more balance, we have more weapons. We actually really trust our tight ends. Um, yeah. So I still think that we're very dangerous, even without a cam. I would oh, agree. Yeah. Well, because we've been saying all year that Toure is oh, number one, and I will say he's the last two games he's played like one. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because you know, Cam was rebounds. out big chunks of Portland State too. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, Samore has well, you know, four less catches, but nine more yards and two more touchdowns than Sammy. So, you look at you look at that grouping, and right there, I mean, and he had an amazing one handed catch. I mean, yeah, he's actually he's, that, he's averaging more than a yard more a catch. Well, that was yeah, and that was I think so. We talk, so the Grizz go down and they 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 get a touchdown finally, right? And we kind of we kind of break the ice to get things going, and then the next possession for the Grizz, we we punt in the next possession, right? Yeah, yeah, we have kind of a crummy opening possession, right? Yep. Um, but then the the very following possession, Torrey scores. Yep. 
Man. Tori scores on that awesome Ooh. crossing route. Yeah. Uh, that was a beautiful design. Oh, man. He was so open. We were talking about against Portland State. Our guys are never open like that. Yeah. He was open he was like open. that. He was open like that. <laughs> that play encapsulated, I think, like <laughs> the difference between Dalton Sneed and Cam Humphrey a little bit. Like, I think Dalton saw the route being open yeah. two seconds before it was open. Yep. And he looked off the safety, gave him a little pump. Mm-hmm. And I just think, like, Cam hasn't, you know, he's younger. He doesn't have as many reps. Um, I don't think Cam, I think the game is a little faster for Cam than it is for Dalton at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's a ball that I don't know makes it there. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not, not in stride maybe and not safety stride. catches up. Or maybe. But it was a beautiful play. Ugh. You know, the thing about it, and kind of going back and forth, it's like I, I think that if Cam throws it the way he's capable of it, absolutely oh, yeah. makes it there. He's yeah. got but a great the off. issue is like he, and this is what happened in the Cam, you know, the interception to a Cam, he just grossly underthrew it. Yeah. You know, it's like he, I don't know if he tried to guide it in there and then a cam had to sit there and wait. If he just freaking chucks that thing up, that's a touchdown. I, yeah. I think it is a, the difference isn't like arm strength or passing ability. I think it's just seeing the route as open yeah. a half a second too late. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you throw that ball a half a second earlier and it, the same distance, right? A cam's open then. He's yeah. just catching it in stride. I'd agree mm-hmm. with that. Yep. But even then, like when you see it, like he shorted up, so it's like a cam had to sit and wait for it. And it's like if he had thrown it in front of him, a cam could have just turned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Again, so, easier said than done. <laughs> again, <laughs> again, my shoulder hurts. Yeah, when, just thinking about when it. I grab the cereal off the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and so that 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 touchdown to Toure though, the replay on Root was so great though with Dalton because oh, yeah. he like leans back. Let's and up, like, he like, looks up at the sky and he's screens. like, yes. And then he <laughs> runs and Mallory like picks it and he like, he, you know, he pats his chest. Mallory like, throw me up in the air. Like, and that was like that moment. It was like, you know, just like, it, I'm back. He, he was so frustrated, was, not playing. And it wants was, to be out there. And, and like, just doing that in a big play like that. And suddenly it was like, okay. And then we're ahead again then. Maybe this was the right take thing the to do. We're, yeah. We take the lead and never look back after yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, honestly, after we scored our first touchdown, Idaho must have known. Like they must have seen. Like it's like we're. This is done. And the other thing I'll contend. So the next series where Idaho, we just wind up. Um, you know, Idaho crosses midfield. Dante Olson has a beautiful sack to pretty much end it. But key key moment of the game, in my opinion, that and and you see this happen a lot in these in these games. Nash Fouch breaks up a pass going to Jeff Cotton, and Cotton lands funny, and doesn't come back and it's like it looked like a shoulder collarbone arm type thing or something jeff cotton was killing us in the first half it seemed like oh yeah and so i mean he played he played a half of football he played one half of football he had six catches for 98 yards and so it was like he was on pace to have like 200 yards receiving against us and mike and i are sitting here in the bar and we're like He's their one, He's guy. The one guy. He's the only like put two people on eighty eight. Like <laughs> but, I don't fucking care. And so then it's like, but then so like so we go up on a score, boom, and then you know big play lands funny and he's out. And so it's like, and so you know you're Idaho, you're in the locker room, you're down, your your one dude is out, 
And the Grizz are up and getting the ball back, although I don't think they did anything right when they opened. They didn't score right away. So. No, it was you, a little... But you know what the best part of that play was? That Nash Fausch was in there on a passing down. <laughs> and it's like, I think, and you know, not picking on anybody in the secondary and we're not going to do it, but we've talked about this. Like, our pass defense is our biggest liability on the team, probably. Yes. And it's nice to see them rotating the safeties in on different downs to see what they've got. Because Nash Fouch, I think, is one of our four best safeties in a system where we play four safeties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Fouch, I mean, we saw him. That was probably the most amount of time, especially in a non-garbage time game because he, you know, he ended the game. He, he gets another pick. Much like he did earlier in the season, I think against Monmouth, where it was a tip ball and pick at the end. But this time, Fouch was relied upon to contribute throughout the yeah, game. It was the middle of the game in a meaningful, you know, not just like a garbage time, like go out there and spell the guy. Nash Fouch leads the safeties in interceptions with two. <laughs> two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, you know, it, we're critiquing it. Nash, you should never cut back across the field as a DB running an interception back. Ooh, that looked um, like a nah. <laughs> yeah. That was a that was a blowing knee waiting to happen. Man, oh. yeah, I I was glad to see him spring up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. I I tweeted. I thought it looked a little looked a little dirty. I think we can probably once we conclude this, we could talk a little bit about Idaho and their. Um, Penalties and their undis- their lack of discipline, but I, oh, that looks a little dirty to me. But people tweet it, it back at me, and people me people tweet it back at me, and they're like, "Don't run across the field like that." So I was like, "Well, okay." I yeah, get it, but still, it's like he went for the knees. I mean, Haywood. Like, it was Cottrell Haywood, and it was like he just had he could have just hit him right in the right across the body and knocked him down because Fouch was not looking at him, but he like intentionally got up to him and then like put his pad right on his knee. It, it, it I you know. Don't know. It, Idaho was very frustrated in the second half. So <laughs> Idaho was dirty. Let's just say they're it. dirty. Like they were a dirty team, and a few of the penalties were probably bullshit. But there were a couple penalties on the Grizz that were bullshit. Yes, like that freaking out late hit out of bounds. We will talk about it later. <laughs> why, why later? I mean, let's do it. I don't understand how somebody cannot have touched out of bounds, had not made it a step. The refs haven't blown the whistle. And we can get a flag for a late hit out of bounds. You're talking about Jesse Sims gets penalized for. Was it Sims or Olsen? Either way, yes. That's what I think we're it was Sims. About. It was it Sims. Sims. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. that weird cutback. And he was thing. going was out like of bounds. Petrino but, scrambles one way and then comes back and then comes over the side. And the ref didn't throw it at first, but it's on the Idaho sideline and they're all yelling and screaming and they throw us the flag. And it's just. But like, you're totally right. No part of that guy's body was out of bounds. Was out of bounds when Jesse hit him. I mean, he was heading yeah. out of bounds. And then there were a few later in the game where our receivers like got tackled out of bounds. And it was like, is it did, because it's a quarterback? Is it because it's like, what's the... Yeah. It, yeah. So looping back maybe, uh, what week are we in? 11? For like the 11th week in a row, the Big Sky refs. <laughs> at least the reviewing process. Holy shit. Fucking <laughs> terrible. I I, mean, I I don't even know that I can talk about it anymore. And it's funny because I tweeted it out during the game. We and then both did. There's a couple fans responding. It's like, I don't think you understand replay. It's like, bullshit. No, I understand replay. And it's like, if it's a rule, we should enforce it correctly. And if we're not going to enforce it correctly, we shouldn't have it. But we should not, as fans, accept mediocrity because they can't get it right. I mean, yeah. and then Skyline Sports said that apparently a game earlier in the year there wasn't replay available in Montana, so maybe that was a problem. But then they replayed a couple plays later in the game. Yeah, yeah. And they were stupid plays to review. And yet, 
There were two plays. Fumble. Jeff Cotton clearly fumbled. It was a fumble. Clearly. 100%. And even if like the replay guy doesn't have the same shots as Root, there's enough of a question there because the fucking ref didn't even blow it dead right away. He had to think about it. Stop the game. Like that warrants a further look. Like yeah. I don't know if you understand what your job is. <laughs> but then the second one was Knight scored a touchdown. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, the, you know, the ref comes in and it's like, if, if there's not a replay to see if somebody scores, then what the hell's the point? Because you take for granted. It's like against the Cats last year. You know, it's like we almost score and we don't. And then we go again and we fumble. It's like if we'd like, fumbled the next and you're like, oh, they're going to get it next time. Bullshit. You're like scores, turnovers, turnovers. first downs, and then maybe targeting. Like I, are, does a play relate to any of those things? And is there a question? Then let's slow it exactly. down. It's like if I'm sitting in the replay booth and any of those things are even close, because they're watching every play. Right. I mean, we, it was clear to us immediately, like, oh, the refs are kind of cautious about this. I I mean, I'm blown away that they didn't review that. So we there was, um, I saw the post. I'm trying to find it quickly because I didn't have it up in front of me. But there's a post on Egres that, that's kind of talking a little bit about this. And there was a reply. I actually know... There it is. Question about replay officials. There was a post in there from a, a guy, a O line coach. I actually know uh, who he who he was. He he and he posts right up on there, and so I think some people by reading it would recognize probably who this guy was. But he used to work the replay booth for the Grizz. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so he pointed out. He says virtually every play during the game has a reviewable element. So the, they're supposed to have is four to six people in a booth looking at everything. And the result of the statement is they set this up so no coach should ever have to burn a timeout to get something reviewed or looked at. It's already happening. So the makeup of the crew is to have three to four individuals assigned by the university for the season to be replay officials. So the replay officials are not big sky. It's people that like... That, at the school. At the school. So... Um, so, yeah, so, and then, so they point out is, so each play, they're all watching it, but so what they, so they can't see Grizz Vision, but they get TV provided to them. What the, the replays they see is what the TV production is. So if it's Root, they get Root. If it's SWX, it's SWX. If it's 11 Sports or whatever, it's that. So, um, and usually they get a full field view. They get the all 22 plus the TV, high end zone, low end zone, field cameras, and so what they're supposed to do is each play happens and these three to four people are like watching this real time and then send it out. And then he also pointed out just quick jargon thing that so if the ref if there's a review and the referee says call is confirmed, it says the video supports the call. Call stands means there's not enough evidence. So confirmed versus stands. And yeah, then of course call reversed. The video says it should be reversed. So we had three to four people assigned by the then UM. It's a training thing. That I mean, should look at I, it. And, I yeah. see him up in the booth. You know, when this happens with like with officials in sports, like umpires in baseball, this happens a lot. But where it's like you start to get in this zone where it's like, unless it's clear and convincing, I'm not going to stop the game. And it's like that's not that's not your call to make. Like your call is like, is it in any way worth reviewing? Stop the game. Then you guys decide if it's clear and convincing. Yeah. And I feel like. What happens, and it clearly happened in the game because as the game went on, then they're like, "Oh yeah, we could be reviewing things." So they, you know what I mean. <laughs> so it's like it, they realize, like, "Oh yeah, we can 
we can open this up a little bit. It just it, there's that that's the human element that concerns me. But absolutely, yeah. So, but I mean, and then you know, going back just on other, but and backstepping a little bit. But Idaho, fourteen penalties. They lead the Big Sky in penalties. They killed drives with penalties. They extended Grizz drives with penalties. They. Uh, we couldn't. I don't know if you could see it watching in the stadium, but there was points. That it's it sounded like it was getting pretty chippy. The root uh, broadcasters kept saying like, you know, the crowd's getting into this, and we got guy. I mean, they're ripping. Got Knight gets his helmet pulled off. Um, you would cut to an interesting juxtaposition was you would see Knight fumbles and he comes to the sideline and he gets the cold stare of death and no talk from Bobby. Um, you know, Mason Petrino throws a pick and his dad's like screaming at him or that guy that got ejected, like the first personal foul he got, it was like they took him to the corner and it was like Petrino's yelling at him and the corner's coach, for, I think former Grizz, Vernon Smith is yelling. They're just like screaming at the guy and then they send him out and then they bring him back and then they yell at him more. It was it was a very interesting – I, I think that the Idaho's composure reflects their coaching. Well, I was going to say, have you ever seen a guy get too no. personal foul, rough the – whatever? Unsportsmanlike conduct. Unsportsmanlike conduct get kicked out. Have you ever seen that? No, no. I think it's a relatively new rule. Yeah, but, it's but a still, years, but still, I mean, like, <laughs> no. it's the first time I've ever seen that. I might have seen it once or twice on like a TV game or something. I feel like, but I think his second one was kind of crap. His first one was definitely deserved, and he was definitely gunning to get. I mean, the way those guys were playing, if he w- if he didn't get tossed on a borderline one, he was going to get tossed pretty soon, anyways. Yeah, I think you're right. There, there is something to the coaching staff's influence on the discipline of your team. You just, I mean, they had so many like false start penalties, even like things that aren't complicated. When the Washington Grizzly Stadium isn't even loud because mm-hmm. they aren't even close to the end zone yet, they're just messing See, it up. And that to me shows you that Idaho watched film and the D line was in their heads even beforehand because they were overreacting to movement of our D line, in my opinion, which I think is a Real testament to how far our D-lines come. Yeah. I want to go back to something Brent was sort of suggesting but not explicitly saying <laughs> because I don't understand this. I'm pretty sure I'm not a parent. I know you you guys are. <laughs> what about the this discipline thing, this yelling and screaming type discipline versus just like you fucked up, Bobby won't even look at you. Like I wonder if Knight even like – was told he wasn't going in after the fumble, he, he or knew, if he just he knew, knew and Osmo just knew. was like, "Okay, I'm I'm ready, ready to go." <laughs> it, I mean, I've never I've never coached a football team in my life, right? I've never I've never, but it's like but you I guys think have both parented. We're both parent, yeah. But but what it, about your what about the discipline philosophy? The, so like a one to one relationship is different than a team relationship because sometimes, and it's like you look at like the makeup. A lot of times, what seems to me like with a with especially a lot of Bobby Houck's coaching staffs is you've got guys that are, that are fun and supportive. And so like this staff for the most part, like the, the, but it's like the Shan Schillingers and the Justin greens. Um, you know, these guys that are, they're kind of like the buddy the whole time in a, in a sense. And then you got the guys that are like, the scream and yell crazy guys and it's Barry Sachs and it's um who else Mike um 
I mean, Barry Sachs is in a Barry, world of Barry his Sachs own. is on his, his own level. Watching Barry Sachs' but, reaction on the sidelines. You know, prior staffs, you would see it out of Rob Fennessy. You would see it out of, um, I, I mean, Gerber used to have it. He, he's kind of, I don't know. But but it's like the, the coaching staff kind of seems they'll have this like mix of guys with levels of intensity and things like that. Um, but like... Idaho's whole coaching staff just seemed like they just needed to scream at people the whole time. Now, and again, we were watching on TV. So when they cut to the sideline, it was moments of going fucking crazy because it was one of their 14 penalties or people getting ejected or just stupid or turnovers because Mesa Petrino probably got disinvited to Thanksgiving dinner in the second half. So, <laughs> so I was thinking like, you could tell Coach Hout kind of felt bad for Mason Matrino <laughs> in QB Club, and he thinks he's a tough kid. Oh, he is. He's totally a and tough kid. Like he, he does. I mean, and he gets a lot of shit, and probably some of it's deserved because it's like it's questionable whether or not he should be starting on a FCS football team. That being said, and and again, um, you know what what happens in QB Club stays in QB Club. It's well worth it. It's a thousand bucks. It's getting more full every week. Yeah. GoGrizz.com slash QB Club. You should consider joining. They've got some ambitious goals for next year, and um, if you uh, and your spouse want to join, you get a discount. Anyway, push there. Um, I think Mason Petrino is going to end up being a grad assistant here next year. <laughs> I think like, so. I'd, 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 I'd put one of my you know steak dinner bets on that that happening. <laughs> it's just a shame Carol doesn't have graduate programs because he would have made a great NAIA quarterback <laughs> like his dad. <laughs> <laughs> He would have been he would have been an all American like Papa <laughs> at the NAI level. I mean, I, I, mean I don't I don't think Mason is the worst starting QB in the Big Sky. I think we are playing. I was going to say I think I think we are playing the worst starter QB than Weber's guy, and maybe better than. Tucker Rovig at this point, but I think Rovig has probably a higher ceiling than Mason. Does. I think Mason has better tools yeah. than yeah. Rovig. Maybe. So I think, like, if you look at Rovig, Constantine, or Petrino, pick one QB to go get you a game. I'd take Petrino. Oh, God, I'd take I Petrino. It's a question. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of an interesting that's thing. A good, that's a like, good way to frame that. Right? And it's like, but, but is he good? No. no. And I mean, like, any hope that Idaho had to get in that game completely vanished in that second half with picks and fumbles and, and cotton on missed the passes, line. cotton on the sideline. And, I mean, they had a play. I think it was still the first half, right? They had a wheel route to a tight end who was beyond the defense, and it just, just probably still should have been caught, but bounces off his hands on a third and long. It should have been caught. It should have been caught, but it was like a full extension out and up, and it hits the fingertips and falls away. But it's like Petrino missed a well, lot of throws. That's too. the thing. I actually think that – you know, I just go from shitting on Mason Petrino to maybe now complimenting him. But that was a touchdown. And he also had another open receiver in the first half. I think yeah. it was on um, maybe the first, no, their second drive. He just airmailed one. He too. just a deep airmailed shot. Yeah. a wide open deep shot. And I was thinking, you know, at the time, like, wow, this could be a much different game <laughs> if. Just two throws go a little differently for the Vandals. I mean, twenty-one for forty-one. So, so he... I think, so I think you're right. Of those three quarterbacks, <laughs> right? But, I mean, it's crazy. It's like if that's your choice, I'd probably go with Mason. I mean, he had seventy-six yards gained rushing. He 
lost 37 thanks to all the sacks. But, uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. But, of course, you know, yeah, yeah. And he's, I don't know. Yeah, we, we've, faced the, we've faced the good QBs so far. You know, Thompson and Berrier and, and those guys. And so now it, it, the, who we face off against, it, it, it kind of changes. But we still, I mean, Mason got 241 yards and two touchdowns on us. Which is, I mean, that's, that's over a season average. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure is. I mean, we held them under 400 total, which is great. Yep. And, you know, if you, if you take out that one damn drive after Cam's interception where they got the ball at the three and went 97 yards. Yeah. I mean, that's such a fluke against our defense this year because what we've been giving up on defense is big chunk plays. Yep, yep. And it was frustrating to watch Petrino run around on us a little bit. Oh. Like, he only netted 39 yards because he got, you know, Sacked six sacked times, six yeah. times. <laughs> but he ran for seventy six against us. Yeah, yeah, he did. And it, again, I he just he had this like young Brett Favre to him, where he's just this like squirrely little guy that just like scoots around and moves around and does all this crazy crap and goes unscripted. I mean, that's that's he did that. I said this last week. He did that well ish in games last year, and he did it. Good against us, but it was Idaho came to play the Nugent paradox. They came to play, yeah, and we got was, a little bit of them. But you know, we we just ground them out in the second half. They they couldn't hang. I really though my my biggest kind of takeaway on a bigger picture than just the game is at this level, if Idaho got the right coaches, they're a sleeping giant in my opinion. Like I, I think that they could they could build a program better than most everybody else in the league. Like, I think they have more resources to build a program than Weber, for instance. Mm. Or maybe on par. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. Weber's building a new stadium, right? No, they're, no, they're, they're building a new big football building. They're, and They're at, they're building their football yeah, training complex. That, that uh, end zone we came into that was open, is a, there's a, they're building a building in it right now. It'll be enclosed, yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's where I lost the sideline passes. It was. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's fine. It's a good thing that they had a few left so you could get a new one. Yeah. yeah. Some lucky kid found that in the parking lot. Yeah, some kid's like, what's this? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, second half, though, it's like, it's funny. You go down the, you go down and look at the box score, and um, a lot of Grizz drives extended by penalties that turn into touchdowns. But... Um, this is where we really got to see Mitch Roberts kind of take over mm-hmm. and really best game for him. And it's fun seeing a guy wearing number 80 running all around <laughs> and just making these great catches. Cause like, I mean, Mitch Roberts, I can't remember when it was. I feel like it was spring ball because I really think Bobby wanted to test Samori Toure after a marginal 2018 and so he um the start of spring ball he mitch roberts was elevated over samori and came out as the starting receiver opposite of sammy akem and so i was like oh my god and and then you know the the, the, all the talk oh mitch is mitch is taking sammy's job and it's like yeah not sammy but uh samori's job it's like yeah okay we'll see we'll see and but like this guy like he he is it's crazy because he's wearing number 80. I mean, there's so much of Mariani in him because it's like crisp, sharp routes, all hands, and just, just 
a high energy effort and hustle. He's he, got a he's got a vertical. He goes up and say, competes for the ball. Yeah. That when he went up and two guys hit him, yeah. and he was tough and he held on to it. Yeah. That's one of the more impressive catches of the season in my mind. Not to, I mean you take away some of the stuff Torrey and Torrey and Kem have done, but you know, that's not a catch that Kem made as a sophomore. No. I mean, and Roberts is up there, you know, yeah. I just love that gritty tough. Like, so talking about his gritty toughness, I don't know how common this is because I, I haven't ever paid attention to it, but um, Roberts has, is it four catches, 52 yards? Yep. That fucking kid also had four tackles because he plays special, <laughs> special teams. teams. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, when do you see you gotta love it. your a receiver <laughs> who contributes in a significant way? Get as many tackles as he does catches. Oh, my God. How cool is that? I was like, this is a kid that I think is special because he is tough enough to put on special teams. Um, He's, you know, I have no doubts about his lack of overall uh, uh, toughness and and kind of acumen as a football player. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, Toure really, again, just – you know, nine catches, 129 yards, a lot of them. I mean, the big big plays came in the first, but quite a few of those catches, I think, came in the second as well, too, extending drives, things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was kind of funny because we talked about, like, the game. It, like, it just – there wasn't, like, just a lot of big explosion-type stuff, mass excitement. It was just the Grizz were a far better team than Idaho. Yep. And Idaho did what they do best, and they imploded in the second half. And we just kind of pulled away. And it, it wasn't, it, it's kind of funny because you go final box score, you know, 42 to 17. And you, you don't, you don't come away like just completely pumped up and, oh my God, this was so great. But a lot of good things happened. And there was a lot of things where it was like just some ongoing frustrations, like we talked about, right? Like past defense is just, an item of I mean, concern. If a guy can get out of the pocket, they are going to find someone open. Yeah. Yeah. It, the question is if they can throw accurately enough or reset to get to him, but they are going to find someone open. Yeah. Yeah. Especially so, if they go to the right, to the right. Um, <laughs> I think we'd be remiss to not give some credit. We had another tip drill interception. Yeah. And, um, was it Mamula that had it or was no, it Babros? Babros. 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 And you guys know how I feel about those. So, <laughs> um, can you remember a time? I think I commented to you this, Brent, and I apologize if you guys already talked about this. I had to step out and, and you know do some bedtime stuff. But uh, get some kids to bed. Mike um, skipped some pages on the bedtime story to yeah. get back out here. The <laughs> wife is out of town, so we are potting and putting kids to bed. Good night, Moon is a one-page book. Time. Yeah. In the great green room, good night, Moon. Uh, good night, Moon. Good yeah. <laughs> so, yes, to answer one of your uh, check down questions from earlier in the year, Brett, or Luke, yes, <laughs> skip some pages. Um, have you guys seen a D line get so many tipped balls? No. Like, they seem to get their hands on passes all the time. Yeah. Well, think back. Like, Bobby, Bobby told us, Mike, at the beginning of the season that this D line is one of the more athletic groups, and they show it. I, like jump up in the air, get up, get your hands up, quick move, things like that. And I, I think a lot of that is resulting in a bunch of that. You know, it's like you look at we had two pass breakups credited in the game. One goes to Nash Fouch and one goes to Marcus Wellnell. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a linebacker. But, I mean, we got – and then we got our leading interception is 
uh, was it? Is it not Alfred, but it's Governor. Governor, not my cousin. Not your cousin. Yeah. And uh, and we got we got these guys like Sims and these other guys just punching these balls up in uh, up in the air all the time. And I think best game for Babros, easily, mm-hmm. right? What he he finished with. Uh, he had a pick, QB hit. Oh, okay. So I th- I thought Babros recovered a fumble too. No, he did. He caused it, and um, Ryder. I think Olsen recovered it. Okay. I'm looking at the box score, and it seems a little funny. So the box score shows Dante Olsen forced the fumble, which I believe is correct, and Patrick O'Connell forced the fumble. Yeah. And Patrick O'Connell recovered one too. And then, oh, I'm sorry. No, yes, you're right. Fumble recovery. Dante recovered and O'Connell recovered. Yeah. Forced. I was looking on the wrong side. Jesse Sims forced. There we go. Milton Mamula forced. Okay. And Mamula had, yeah, two tackles for loss. Yep. Two sacks. Two sacks, he yeah. He had himself a game. And just I, every week, I get more and more impressed with this defensive front. Yep. They're becoming disruptive, athletic. <sighs> it seems like they're gaining explosiveness over the season, which you usually don't see. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the strength and conditioning program, the gains that someone sees, that's all preseason, off-season work. You're really trying to maintain throughout the season. You're battling injuries, trying to stay healthy. These men seem to be growing. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, <laughs> I think it was Mamula right on his second sack. He like had this like hop where he like jumped past the tackle. Yeah, he like skipped <laughs> by the dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, this it, it's, <laughs> Coach Hauk kind of joked about that at yeah. at QB Club this week, and he's like, just. Look how good he is now with doing whatever the hell move that is. Look how good he's going to be when he knows how to play. When he learns an actual move. <laughs> Just throwing him off. Oh my God. Um, uh, the other thing, and I think it's getting overlooked a little bit, not by us, but with how much we kind of think the D-line stepped up, our boy Dante, mm-hmm. up to 120 tackles this year. I mean, yep. that guy's... It's going to stamp himself as a repeat All-American. I mean, legitimately one of the best linebackers we've ever had, which is crazy to say. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, he is he's putting together a body of work over the course of two seasons that we've never seen. Yep. I think he passed Jordan Tripp for, what, fifth all-time? Yeah. And Tripp started three years yeah. and rotated. And rotated I mean, as a freshman, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, I mean... Dante started two seasons and rotated a, a little bit otherwise. But, yeah, I mean, it, an incredible tremendous talent. Play. Yep. When I Actually, when I think about Washington Grizzly Stadium not being full, I kind of think, like, all the people missing Dante Olsen. Yeah. He's incredible. He's incredible. Akem and, and Ture are going to be at or near the top of the receptions and yards list by the end of next year because yep. they're both they both have another year. Knight's got 17 touchdowns. That's, what, fourth fourth all-time single season? Something. Something like that. I if, mean, If Knight doesn't win newcomer of the year in the conference. I mean. <laughs> I can't imagine who else. I don't know what I mean, other transfer. He's going to get down near 1,000 yards <laughs> and have 20-plus touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> it is the big sky, though. Um, yeah, they'll give it to, like, Infonse is going to get it. Don't worry. <laughs> a, back, a backup safety. Yeah. <laughs> he had one great game. Uh, I don't I don't know if I got much more on the game. I mean, it was, it was 
Yeah. Nope. Pulled away late. Uh, I like where we're at. You know, Dalton Sneed took a took a shoulder to the gut and went down and scared the shit out of us. And then you saw it was funny. So this moment, so they show this on TV and, and Dalton's like he's down, he gets up, he's standing on the sideline, and Brent Pease is standing next to him, and Brent Pease looks like he wants to murder Dalton Sneed. He is <laughs> He's like white in the face, and you can just tell he's like his nostrils are flaring. He is so pissed off because it's just like what that's the fuck that's are fear you doing? and that's and, fear. And then, and then like <laughs> and then like guy, and Hauk turns around and there's like a thumbs up and you see Dalton mouth. What do you say? Like I'm fine or I'm good. And Hauk is like, because you're done. You're done. <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden it like flips and it's like Justin Green hugs him and people are smiling. But you can just see Brent Pease was like. Oh, he was like ready to just kill because somebody. Because when, when Sneed got hit and went down and was not quite getting up, they, they panned Hauk immediately. And Hauk was and Hauk like, like looking at the ground. Head, like, oh, we ch- we took this just a second too far. So that I mean, was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but I will say that for the, my biggest takeaway from this game is for uh, for us not actually playing that good of a game, if you think about it. I mean, three turnovers, about as poor start as you could. To win going away like that against even a middle-of-the-pack team, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we're we, – yeah. we are – I don't care what happens the rest of the season. I mean, it's like I think we're, we are a top-10 FCS team. Yeah, yeah. Like, both, both Weber and Sacramento State, granted each missing some key guys but through their games, needed a goddamn miracle to win last week. And we – Missing Sammy Akem and then having to bring in a Rusty for a while, Dalton Sneed, just kind of did our thing and pulled away and scored 42 points. We, we go tw- 28 to 7, score a margin in the second half, yep. and ended up winning by 25. Hard to, hard to complain about that. I, mean, we, I, I think that our toughness are, you know, we have depth kind of, you know, at some positions. We grind teams down. And it makes me really excited. I'm tentatively excited because we're ahead of schedule on what we would consider this Grizz reclamation project. <laughs> Bobby's already said that too. Well, you're ahead. Did he say a year ahead? Yeah. Yeah. So he thought um, we'd be at this point next year, the following year. And have you guys looked at our schedule next year? And uh, we don't we, look behind and we don't look ahead. Well, interestingly, we, there's a question. We have a question for later. Oh, on, yeah. okay. So <laughs> we will be looking with some great <laughs> foreshadowing. Oh, wow. We will be looking at our schedule next year. <laughs> <laughs> they premise it by saying way too early look at next year. Oh, for the record, I don't look at these questions because. But he's clearly looked at the schedule. <laughs> yeah. So I believe Idaho's fourth quarter touchdown to Cottrell Haywood because we've allowed 27 points so far in the fourth quarter this year. So that was the third touchdown our defense has allowed in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. They're doing something right. I mean, there, there's I still it. a few kinks, but they are. Hey, you know, this team believes in the staff. We've talked about this. Like they're. Hey, we're at eight wins with two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this offline a little bit, but it's so fun to be three weeks out from the playoffs and being able to even talk about like playoff scenarios, knowing we're in it. Like mm-hmm. we're eight wins, this Grizz team with this schedule, and look, we've got like the seventeenth toughest schedule in all of FCS. Yeah. And we've got a 500 – our opponents are 10 games over 500 
Is that right? Yep. And wow. It's only going to get more because the next two games are Weber and MSU. I mean, you can't say they're doing this against a joke team. Cause... And, and to say truthfully that we haven't played a perfect game yet. Yep. I mean, is I, the closest incredible. we've played is UC Davis, right? Right. And I just, I mean, I think judging by how the team has come out for games like that, and for some of the games against teams that have beat us and stuff like that, I think they know what opportunities in front of them. This is the senior day, it's the last guaranteed home game, even though you know we're probably going to make playoffs and have a home game. I, I think that they are going to be so amped up for Weber State. Like I'm legitimately more excited for this game than <laughs> some of the Cat Grizzes over the last few yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's just like this is playoff football two weeks early, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, top top five matchup. Yeah, five, five versus three. Stats and four in the coaches poll. Weaver's three in both. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Shit, if, if the Grizz if the Grizz could somehow win this game, like they have set themselves up for the postseason. Big time. Yeah. So I got a text from uh, Jay, one of our regular listeners, and uh, he had done some math to share with the pod and his little Grizz cat, you know, season type stuff. But combined record of the teams that both. Cats and Grizz have faced, so similar opponents. Uh, Grizz, 47, combined record of teams of both Cats. So maybe not similar records, just total. Yeah, the combined record of teams Grizz have played so far are 47 and 42. Cats are 31 and 56. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you talked about. And um, so what he says here, we're ready for the play. We are ready for the next two weeks, ready for playoffs. Cats, not so much. Uh, every team Cats have played with a winning record, They've lost. Cats have not beat a team with a winning record. Um, of course, they've only played two teams with a winning record. That's Sacramento and North Dakota. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, fascinating stuff. And Grizz, of course, we've I think we've beat a couple teams now with winning records, right? So, I think Portland State. No, 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 they don't anymore. But Eastern does. So Davis does. Monmouth does. There's a guy yeah. on Bobcat Nation. Yeah. Who his name's Cat Print. Who's, he seems like a very reasonable guy because he acknowledges the Grizz are having a good year. So that's a threshold for me in reading uh, yeah. another yeah. fan's message board. But he does a path to the playoffs right up every week. That's actually really interesting because he just goes through like the remaining Big Sky games and what the, what can happen and the scenarios and stuff like that. And it's interesting. So I go there every Monday and kind of see what he has to say about the previous games. Um, but I came across a different thread that I clicked on because I'm a masochist. But um, it was from early in the season comparing um, strength of schedules. And there are all these Cat fans early in the season talking about how the, it's actually turning out that the Cats have just as tough a schedule as the Grizz do. <laughs> so, I mean, I would have, I would love to be playing Southern Utah and Northern Colorado the next two weeks. Oh, Let my me tell God. You what. Yes, please. And then I went and looked because I got curious. And I was seeing our win last week against Idaho. And I was like, where, if you look at the Sargon ratings and like where, like the only win that the Cats have against somebody better than that in conference is Northern Arizona. So... What about SEMO? Well, SEMO's making a run at the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know what their Sargon... I was only looking at the big sky. Probably not schedule. that great. Yeah, their conference. Um, yeah. I mean, that's going to be their most impressive win of the season, I think. Yep. Um, they're going to say it's going to be us if they beat us. But um, <laughs> anyway, it was just interesting to me because it's like if you are in an office and you've got a random cat fan in your life, and we've all got them, 
and and they're trying to downplay this Grizz team, they just need to stop. Because it's like, and I'm not saying the Cats can't line up and beat them because the Grizz have to prove that they can in two weeks. That's right. But this has been a legitimate resume. Like, that's why I say with certainty, like, the Grizz are in the playoffs, even if they lose the next two weeks. Like, you look at their schedule, you look at who they've beat, they're there, in my opinion. Yeah, but I I get nervous about weird little stuff, but I I, I think you lose these next two. I mean, a loss to Weber probably doesn't even maybe puts you. You're probably still in the top ten or just but hovering around it. I mean, I don't lost. want us to find out. No, definitely not. And I don't think we will. But I mean, it's 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 one realistic thing that's gonna that could happen. Yeah. And yeah, I I think an eight and four. But but you fl- you look at the other side, tall order. But if the Grizz win the next two, we're a top three team in the nation. And yeah. maybe top two, depending on how some of this other stuff shakes out. And so it's like you could have a guaranteed couple of playoff games in Washington Grizzly. Oh, my God. And that's that's looking way far forward. There's a lot that has to happen. But, you know. There, but it's fun to be even yeah, at a point where we can it, dream about that. Yeah, because, you know? like, the last three to four five years it's been like we got it went out and then we can hope we can get in because we write a big bid and people like the money and we could just gotta it's a hope and a prayer but let's see what we can do and this it's like it we're talking about a bigger thing now it's like okay if we we drop the two we're, we're we're most likely still in we get we go one and one we're we're in and maybe flirting with um you know one of those six seven eight type seeds maybe or just just missing out or if we win the both like we're not even it's not like oh maybe we'll get like an okay seed and have one game it's like we're we're probably locking into got to play the games got to win the games but having two if not more if we get some luck i mean how'd that be if you could have home games in washington grizzly until thanks to regionalization you probably have to go to North Dakota State in the semifinals. <laughs> so, yeah. But still, I mean, it's like we're having this type of conversation, and we haven't done that in like eight years. I hate regionalization. We'll it save sucks. that conversation yeah. for the first round of playoffs. <laughs> so NCAA's stats site, stats.ncaa.org, you can go look at miscellaneous things, and toughest schedule is one of the things you can look at. And you can either look at it, you can, you can sort any column you want. And so if you sort just by who they've played thus far, the Grizz have the 17th toughest schedule. If you include the next two weeks, so you just sort by cumulative opposition, the Grizz have the third toughest schedule in the FCS. Hmm. UC Davis is number one. Columbia of the Ivy League is number two. And the Grizz are number three. And obviously this is just based on wins and losses, but this far enough into a season, I mean, I think we can sort out the teams that, aren't relevant the teams that are and the Grizz have, have a big sky slate of impressive teams big so. time yep yep big game in the Colonial Athletic Association James Madison number two plays Richmond who's second in that conference what's mm. their record Richmond yeah they are four and two in conference five and five overall yep Ooh. huh and they lost they just lost to Albany last week mm-hmm. <laughs> Be nice if they could no, they lost to Villanova last week. Okay, that's better. <laughs> and then they lost to Elon like earlier in the season. And yeah. Elon's three and four, four and six overall. So James Madison's probably going to win this game. Still- um, they're nine and one overall, uh, undefeated in conference. But 
It's a one versus two matchup in that conference. So, yeah. is it in James Madison or is it? It is. You know, sometimes those road games. No, it's it's in James Madison. Shit. Okay. Well, well the Bobby Hawk led Montana Grizzlies have won in James Madison, <laughs> so <laughs> anything can happen. Yep. All right, I'm good. I'm good with the you know. Um, Good to beat the Vandals. Good to keep the little brown stein in Missoula. I loved Chuck Mays on Twitter was touring the tailgates with the brown stein and tweeting about it. Just like random fans. Tim Howe. Tim Howe. Not just yeah, not random, random fans, fans, but other random fans. Um, shout out to the Tubs and Clubs guys. Chris came out, mm-hmm. talked a mountain of shit. <laughs> Very so much thought a, his team was going to win. Been a little quiet. Yeah. <laughs> been a little quiet since. Uh, but shout out to Brian with the tubs in the club. He's uh, <laughs> was that great meme where he's be, looks like he's becoming a Grizz fan, and he actually uh, he asked for some props because I think he picked the score of forty two to seventeen. Mm-hmm. I think my game write up. I think I said forty one to seventeen. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's fun to have these type of games where you get guys with this kind of this, the, especially Chris talking shit made me more nervous about this game because like his confidence, I was like, so oh my god, weird, you know, he's like, I'm on my beat Montana tour around Missoula, I'm eating a Mo burger, we're gonna kick the Chris's ass and blah 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 blah. And it's like, but I will say that that I think that's <laughs> makes a time to kind of make a pitch for the Big Sky Podcast Network and. You know, the Montana Mint and, and Bear Tycoon especially have put together this kind of group of they've tried to find podcasters from every team and they haven't found them from every one of them. They've got a bunch of them and they're <laughs> trying to put out some good content and kind of get it in a place where everybody can see it. And it's kind of been fun to get to know some of those guys. It has been. One of the Eastern pods, those guys are just fucking crazy. But, <laughs> you know, otherwise. Yeah, so if you, uh, if you want to get into podcasting um, and – you know, you need a place to break in. You can follow some random team very closely, even if they're not your favorite. Who who are we looking for still? Yeah, if any of you want to do a Southern Utah podcast, actually, the, what were they really? Weber. Like, they don't have a Weber Weber's one. got a couple good reporter follows, but yep. like. And they got some good guys on Twitter. Yep. But um, they don't have a podcast. Yeah. So if you want to get into Weber football, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I think what they're still looking for is Weber. Southern. Portland. Southern. They found a Sac State guy this year, and he's pretty cool. Hornet House. Yep. Yeah. Hornet House is good. I don't know if Davis that Davis has any representation. I can't remember. And some of the other guys, like like Northern Colorado and Idaho State, it's media guys. But still, it's nope, guys. But, well, they're great. but, but Aaron with, uh, with uh, Northern Colorado does a podcast and is their color commentator for football and yep. basketball home games. So, yeah, as I found out. Because he opted out of a big sky, big takes. And I was like, hey, if you come to Missoula, like, let's get a beer. And he was like, I don't travel with the basketball team. <laughs> so um, It's a hard life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way it goes. Um, should we talk about the rest of the big sky and how, let's do it. how they did? Because, boy, it was an interesting time in the big sky. What are we at right now? Buck 10. Buck 10, hey. Buck 10. Um, all right. Let's talk about the rest of the big sky. We got Eastern Washington went to Pocatello to a broken Idaho State team. <laughs> <laughs> and broke them some more. Bro- Man, they <laughs> five points. <laughs> yeah, it was forty-eight to five. So if you picked that in the as a score, um, and, and int- 
not so much from that game, but an interesting storyline that is going to 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 be interested. Interesting storyline that's interesting to watch. I'm saying that word a lot. Um, Easter Eric Berrier is putting up big numbers in games where they beat the shit out of teams, mm-hmm. right? He's looking very pedestrian in games where they're losing. Berrier and Cookus and Jake Meyer are going to finish as like the top three dudes statistically, statistically. But two of the three teams are out. One is teetering on being out. Um, are they going to pull it? And the MVP is usually a quarterback. And so it's like Eastern, it seems like they're on this like save, like Bill Barrier up for next year <laughs> and, and just pad these stats where he's going to finish with like 40 touchdowns and 5,000 yards passing. It's like, look at how goddamn good this guy well, it's is. It's going to be interesting because it's, so it's can a, you give the Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year to a guy that doesn't make the playoffs? I mean, yeah, and so it's like your offense. So your offense, I like. Mean, yes is the answer, but. I, I'll bet they probably do. I it's mean, a like, shame that Sneed got hurt, is what it is. Well, and Thompson. Both yeah. Sneed and Thompson yeah. missing games. But I if mean, Thompson only misses one. He goes back this week. Who knows if he is or not? I mean, yeah, Thompson's you know Thompson's got the the rushing yard aspect to it as well too. You know, Elijah Dotson's got six hundred rushing and six hundred receiving. So it's like there's other guys, but it's like Big Sky voters for offensive player of the year fall in love with numbers and body of work. Mm-hmm. And so who has the numbers? Who has the body of work? And it Case Cookus probably plays against <laughs> and Eric probably Barrier. plays against Sneed that we won the two games that he was out. Yeah. But then again, I mean, it's like coming off the bench like that. I mean, people probably noticed. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. My big takeaway from Eastern, and then let's move on because we've spent far too much time on them already, <laughs> is um, the way they've destroyed teams since they played UM. I mean, I just think that people need to understand that, yeah, they're feasting on bad teams, but they could have done that to us, and they didn't. 17 and it's like points. people need to understand that that was another really good win. And every game that Eastern wins is better for our overall like credit of who we played. Yep. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how Eastern would be if you dropped them in the Colonial. Like, would they mm. be the number two team in the Colonial? Fucking maybe. They might be. I mean, this year? They probably, probably yeah. would be. They're, I don't think they're losing to Elon. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, moving on. Uh, we have UC Davis. Going forty-five to twenty-eight over Portland State. Playoff. I think hopes. Davis is playing for their playoff lives, yeah. and I think they know it. We'll see. That's pretty good. They put forty-five up. They're a good team. They got. Right? I mean, and they got the Cats this weekend. We'll yep. talk about that in a minute. But yep. yeah. All right. Then we had um, Montana State going forty-five to fourteen <laughs> against did. Northern Colorado. I this game was on the road for Montana State. Yeah. Does that make you feel? Any differently about a road win? I mean, yeah, they should have won that won that game, and they should have blown them out. So, yay, yay! <laughs> I thought I saw some some commentary. Of course, I don't have the box score up in front of me, but it was like there was still it was. Rovig goes didn't... ten for fifteen, seventy-seven yards, and throws a pick. Ten for fifteen for seventy-seven yards is a terrible. <laughs> you know, Bauman comes like in. Troy Anderson, of course, throws a fucking touchdown because why not? Um, <laughs> and I mean, it's like, yeah, it's just like they're. It's like a box score that makes zero sense. Um, 
but it's it's the cats, so what can you do? So yeah. you know. uh, then you had a really close and interesting game. Sacramento State. They went to Flagstaff and pulled out the win thirty eight to thirty four. This was unbelievable. First of all, they had their backup quarterback. Yep. He threw four touchdowns, did pretty well. They were losing by ten. With like two minutes to go, right? So they go down and score a touchdown because NAU's defense is, as Britt would say, garbage. Garbage. Um, And no timeouts. Yeah. Onside kick goes through NAU's guy's hands, like hits him in the head or something. (laughs) Sac State covers, like immediately scores a touchdown. (laughs) It's like, I mean, like, it's unbelievable. The only parallel I can draw is I went to a game when we played Eastern at Eastern in Delaney's maybe thing. first year yes. after Flu got fired. And we're, we were winning that game and they scored a touchdown late and they kicked an onside kick and we botched it. They recovered, they went down and scored and that was it. It was a ball game. Kind of the same thing. It's crazy. Oh, it ain't you. Poor defense. Yeah. yeah. Boy, their defense is bad. Do you think Sac State's going to be running a backup? For long? It's hard to say. Like, the the last week they acknowledged right away that he's going to be out, but then they said, but maybe only one week. Back injuries, especially for a guy that said back surgery, I mean, who knows? Yeah, tough to say. Tough to say. All right, then we have um, another fun one. The University of North Dakota lost narrowly 30 to 27 against Weber State. This was crazy. It wasn't quite as crazy, but uh, yeah, only it was. because... Well, I was going to say only <laughs> I mean, because kinda. NAU just found a weird way to blow it, but Weber scored, but but it, UND was moving the ball on them enough that they probably could have run out the clock, I think. They fumbled the kickoff. And they, yeah, that's what I'm they saying. Fumbled so the then kickoff. they kick off <laughs> and they fucking fumble it. I mean, I just, all they had to do was catch it. That's it. Catch the and they win ball. that game, I think. No, it was tied. It would have been tied. Would have been tied? It was 27-27. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it was like, just we're so close to <laughs> Sack and Weber. But you know some losses. You know, I was I was wishing Sack would lose just because it eliminates competition for a seed. Yep. Up at that point, I am happy Weber won. Yeah, same. Because I want Weber to be the number three team in the nation if we beat them. Yeah, and I also think that if they're gonna have a big, big, like letdown game. I want it against us. Save it for us. I baby. don't want them to get let down against North Dakota. <laughs> Come in here all mad and ready to yeah, kick some ass. Jake Constantine dialed in. So that brings us uh, that that that's the games. Then of course we won forty two to seventeen as we discussed in depth. So um, do we want to talk about next week's games or talk about? Uh, Weber right now. Let's uh, do the re- pick the rest of the Big Sky and then um, Let's do it. talk about the Grizz game. Okay, this broken Idaho State team <laughs> now gets to play oh a non-conference God. game. They get a little reprieve. Oh, thank God. They don't have to worry about conference. Oh, good. Uh, Brent, where are they going? <laughs> Brigham Young University. <laughs> They're going up. <laughs> I don't know anything about BYU as a, as a football program except they've got a really awesome dance team. Oh yeah, have you seen this? No, yeah, no, 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 no. Like, Mike, legit. I just Mike Luke has offended lots of other groups on this pod, <laughs> so I don't want him to offend the Mormons too. Like, 
No, they uh, Latter Day Saints, Michael. Oh, excuse Come me. on, name change. Latter Day Saints. <laughs> they they have this like they like their mascot, and they'll do like a dance thing, like, and it's it, it, they're, it's amazing. They like, are week, like oh, I've seen a legit hip hop yeah. dance team. Uh-huh. I mean, like edited. really good, fully edited. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's. You know, you might accidentally see a hint of a lower ankle when one of the ladies' <laughs> legs kicks. But so this is what I was talking about, Lou. But they are very talented, <laughs> and I'm guessing their football team might be in a different, you know, strata than Idaho State's. You know, they're what's five funny? and four on the season. BYU because this is set up to be one of those games. And I'm not saying this is going to work, but this is set up to be one of those games where. Idaho State holds it close and loses by 20 or something like that. And if this game had happened early in the season, everybody would be using it as like a Idaho's for real. Uh, you know, just like Idaho they were State. with Portland yeah. State where yeah. it's like they held Arkansas and everyone's like, Portland State is back. Montana Parlay said that and he might <laughs> deny it now, but he, he legitimately said, oh, yeah, they're good this year. Bullshit. Arkansas is just fucking terrible. <laughs> Ticket anyway. pr- there are tickets a game. Tickets still available for the game. So if you would like to see Idaho State play Brigham Young University and have $15. You can buy tickets pretty much anywhere in the stadium right now. So, yeah. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> well, I'm not driving to that game, but good to know. And then in the uh, other slate of games we aren't watching, uh, Northern Colorado is going to the University of North Dakota. I w- First of all, I think we all think Idaho State's losing to BYU. Yes. Um, yep. I would really like... Northern Colorado to beat North Dakota because it just takes North Dakota off the bubble. I think they're off as it is. Um, oh, you really think so? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, maybe if not. If they win out, they'll be... Seven and four. Seven. They play 11, 11 games, games this year. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, so I'd like North Dakota, North... Colorado. Northern Colorado to win, but I think North Dakota's going to win. I'd say North Dakota and what they're undefe- they're undefeated in their dome, I do believe. Um, you'd like to think maybe they're demoralized, yep. but... I don't think Northern Colorado is good at all. Um, yeah, I want Northern Colorado to win, of course, but you know, because don't forget North Dakota beat MSU this year. So, yep, you know, <laughs> what you know, it always helps to have that Fair. that little jab in your, you know, in your back pocket. Yep. Um, then we have Sac State going to Moscow. So that's such a weird one because Idaho plays well at home. But did we break Idaho? It's like they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> Sexton's got a good defense that probably will tear Mesa Petrino apart. Though I think Idaho's offensive line is decent. So I want to know if Sexton has their starter back. And I want to know if Jeff Cotton's out. Okay, well, mm. I'm going to magically get you answers to both those questions. Um if yes, I bet Cotton's back. I, if Cotton's back and Sac State's playing their backup, I'm going to say Idaho covers. Covers, but loses. But loses. Yeah. I think Sac's going to win this. I, their defense is gnarly. That D-line getting after Mason Petrino. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. So, yeah. I, I really, really, really want to say Idaho, but Sac's going to win this. <laughs> Do as a Grizz fan, again, seeding reasons, playoff reasons, we want Idaho to win, though, right? Yes. Yeah, though I think if we beat Weber, then there's this weird triangle of Sack beat us, Sack lost to Weber, we beat Weber. 
So I think that it kind of takes care of itself, but yeah. I'd like to not have any room for doubt. Sagarin ranking breaks the tie. Yeah. So, but I'm just talking about seating. Like, yeah, I really yeah, don't yeah, care yeah. who wins the auto bid in the conference. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that tiebreaker situation again for the fans? Well, like Mike said, yeah, it, it's the who the auto bid recognition for the conference is, and so if there's a tie amongst the top, the next a tie breaking point is your Sagarin ranking. So. But it's only for the playoffs. Everybody only. who ties for first gets to claim the Big Sky title. Yep. They can buy rings. They can do whatever. So it's like the Big Sky, we can have five teams tied for first. <laughs> they all oh, get to man. hand banners. They all get to say they're <laughs> Big Sky champions. You're reigning yeah. Big Sky champions <laughs> playing the other reigning Big Sky champions. So That's dumb. Very all right. Fun. Then we have NAU going to Cedar City to play Southern Utah. Good chance to break into the podcast game if you're a Southern Utah fan. <laughs> I think NAU is going to win that only because they both have awful defenses, but NAU has Case Cookus. So hey, this NAU has got to put together the resume for Case Cookus to get MVP for a team that doesn't go to the playoffs, and they'll win that. Game. Who knows? Yeah. Um, the Pod Dog got kind of bored of talking about NAU. He woke up. Pod Dog, so, <laughs> what's up, buddy? <laughs> yeah. He he's alive and well. All right, then we have Eastern Washington is going is going to Cal Poly. Eastern should win that game. They should win that game going away. Cal Poly's coming off a bye. That Cal Poly's win. terrible. <laughs> Eastern will win. Cal Poly's on a five game losing streak. <laughs> I mean, they're just bad. They're always bad this time of year. So this is going to be interesting. Who has more passing yards, Case Cookus or Eric Berrier? Is it Eric Berrier? And the only reason I ask that is they've had a couple games where they got like 600-plus yards of offense. Yeah. Eric Berrier is my final answer. That'd be mine. Yeah, i go with that too. <sighs> I think Southern Utah might be worse as a team, maybe. Right? They might be. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, again, we've talked way too much about these teams. Yes, we have. Then we have Montana State. And they're playing UC Davis at Davis. I think Davis is going to win this game. I uh, Davis has vastly underperformed, but it seems like putting up good numbers against Portland State, um, they have – I think they show there's some fight left in them. And – I just don't know what the Cats, I mean, it's like you played the two absolute worst teams in the conference and you beat them. Congratulations. That's what you're supposed to do. It's like I was saying earlier, the, the Cats' most impressive big side conference win is NAU. Yeah. And now on the other side, I think Davis's rush defense and is not very good. Uh, I could see the Cats kind of rolling out a bunch of goofy shit because that's, that's what they do. That's all they got left. But I just think it's like if you – a must-win game, Tucker Rovig versus Jake Meyer. One would think that in this type of matchup, you would see more from Meyer, especially at home in Davis. Uh, yeah, Cats are having more charter issues. Do you see <laughs> flight was late and buses got lost? What's going to be <laughs> interesting to me is like there's all this buzz that the Cats' defense is proven over the last – Second half of the season, that they're the best defense in the Big Sky. 
and I just don't buy that. No. I mean, look who they've played. It's going to be so fun to watch how Jake Meyer does against exactly. this cat it's defense. Like if, they, if he does, if they shut him down, then they have legitimate yes. room to talk. Yeah. yeah. I'm more interested in that dynamic than I am in the overall game. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the matchup that I think will be predictive for the following week. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 We both played tough games. We're at home. Cats are on the road. Yep. Yeah. Um, I I think Davis is going to win that game. I think the Cats are going to win that yeah, game. Yeah, you're fucking right. I think the Cats are going to win that I don't game. Think, I want Davis to win that game. <laughs> I don't think the Cats can line up and beat any any top half of the conference team with the scheme. But they are going to pull out all sorts of tomfoolery and bullshit for the next two weeks. But does the tomfoolery work? It does, sometimes. Good teams, because it's like, they've pulled all this shit out the last two weeks against the worst teams in the league. And it's like, where was that against North Dakota when all you needed was a touchdown, one more score? Yeah. But I think the Cats are going to win it. I do. (laughs) I want to say Davis because I want to, but I think the Cats are going to win. Davis. As a Grizz fan with our eye towards the playoffs, who do we want to win this game? Davis. Davis. Because either way, it's, you know, if you play that out and you say, we hope that one we or the, the other. Cats, either way, that's one win over a playoff team because they're not both making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I would rather have Davis make the playoffs and the Cats get knocked out by the Grizz and the Brawl of the But we don't, think, we don't think either of these teams are playoff bound, right? I think if either one Davis of them wins is out, three and three. I think if Davis wins out, they're a solid bubble team with a chance. I think if the Cats win out, they're, they're in. in. They are in for sure. There's an argument that if they win this week and even lose to us, they could still be in. Yeah. Because then they'll be they'll be eight wins. Eight wins, right? Yeah. 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 We're saying we're in right now at eight wins. Yeah. Well, we've got a more impressive schedule. Well, that we do. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. All right. Well, okay. then, what I'm going to call the. Uh, FCS game of the week. How could it not be? <laughs> We've got Weber State coming to Washington Grizzly Stadium Saturday, one p one p.m. kickoff. God, I'm excited. Yeah, and, and seriously, I mean, unless you've got a family member in the hospital, like, why aren't you at this game? Yep, absolutely. I'm I'm with you. I mean, and they're. It looks like they've got. They're. They've released a couple extra batches of tickets at discounted prices. I mean, get UM is game. doing everything they can. They want this stadium full. Yeah, get a Greyhound if you can't drive or the weather's bad. Right, like get a ticket <laughs> from the Greyhound to come over from Two Dot. Like I don't know. Like I think which this is near will, Shelby, which is <laughs> near-ish, <laughs> not even close to Shelby. I'm Brent. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nearer to Shelby or Missoula? It's nearer to Shelby. Okay. <laughs> See? See? Nope. It's all in perspective. Don't be so difficult. <laughs> okay, so... Brent, why don't you start by telling yeah. us a little bit about your breakdown? Brent we writes a state. breakdown on Egris, yeah. uh, a good post-game recap, and then a, a, a breakdown on the week to come that you guys should all check out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, Weber State, this is... It, it, I mean... I think you're looking at something where we are we have Bobby Houck's old team facing Bobby Houck's new team. Weaver State has, until proven otherwise, the best coach in the conference in Jay Hill. And they have a team that is this team is plays good, tough defense. 
They've got a mean front seven, uh, and they have an expert offensive line, and they run the ball. And it's like this is this is what the you know early two thousands the 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 Hauk era Grizz built to be. Um, we joked about it. We talked about it a little bit. Weber's ongoing shortcoming that they have had has mirrored stuff like the Cats. They have just been unable to find a quarterback that's probably even could be labeled as a game manager, let alone a good quarterback. But so far, they've not really needed one. Um, Weber State. The, interestingly, I went back and looked, and it, it's a little bit of a. It, the Grizz haven't beat Weber since 2012. How but many we, times have we played? Three times. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, so uh, Weber beat us in uh, 2015 uh, to put us, was we beat North Dakota State, and then we lose to Cal Poly, and we lost to Weber. So, fun times like that. And then, of course, the game that the three of us were at, we went down to Ogden and, and saw Weber. Um, beat the Grizz there. Uh, so, God, that 2015 game was McKenna Simmons' fumble in overtime, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, so, but it's like uh, both teams now are facing a little something where, uh, you know, the status of Sammy comes unknown. We've talked about this. Um, but Weber, Josh Davis, their number one running back and reigning Big Sky Freshman of the Year National All Freshman Team is maybe out. So I had posted. So it was it was tweeted out that he was on the sideline in the second half of the game last week, and then I thought I saw some tweet where it's like he's injured. He's just going to have to play through this. It's the way it goes. And then I've received multiple comments that he is in concussion protocol. And through the big sky, through I think FCS or maybe just the NCAA, if you're in concussion, you can't play that same week, I don't think. So it, both teams with a little bit of a question mark on offense. But with Weber, with their running game and what they do, their backs are made good by their O-line. And they are I was gonna say they're they are a couple damn talented. Weber yeah. has like Two good fans on Egris yeah. who actually provide good, uh, yeah. good, you know, interesting comments, and one of them said he's he's not concerned if Davis is gone. Like they, they no, they don't need to be. Ball. Yeah, so they have they have a mix of three running backs. So there's Davis, and then they've got um, uh, 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 Chris Jackson, who's this 235 pound kind of beast mode bruiser guy and then um kevin smith jr who's the guy that comes in and all three of them have um i mean uh, davis has 900 yards and nine rushing touchdowns jackson has um 364 yards and 10 rushing touchdowns and then kevin smith jr has 500 yards and two rushing touchdowns and he had 110 or so last week against north dakota so like these guys, it is their ground game is what they, they it's, it's ball control. They are plus thirteen in turnover margin. They're four. They've lost three fumbles. They have forced. They have like gained uh, ten. I mean, they 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 have some. They have flaws. They are not a flawless team, but they are definitely a football team. I mean, there's a reason why they're third in the nation. Their two losses were to FBS schools. They lost to San Diego State 6-0. 6-0. 6-0. Now, San Diego State, in that game, it probably could have been quite a bit more. San Diego State crossed over the field and I think had two red zone turnovers and a missed field goal. 
in the second half. So it could have been something where it might have been more like a 20 to zero type thing. Uh, and they lost to Nevada, where Nevada um, kind of pulled away, but got got something a little late. But but they were leading Nevada at the half as well too. And otherwise, you look at the rest of their wins. Uh, where's Northern Iowa in the rankings? The the Bitcoin of the FCS. They're they're like top seven or eight right now, aren't they? Or top so, five? Northern Iowa was number nine when they Fuck. played, but now they're fourth or some stupid shit, right? They're, I don't understand why they're ranked so high. <laughs> They've got three losses. Yeah. And they're fourth or fifth. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I really think Eastern Washington beats Northern Iowa. <laughs> but it's like, um, but so they beat Northern Iowa in Ogden. But that was the game. I know we talked about it earlier. They were up. They ha- And this is the thing about Weber is – their offense is inconsistent in many of their games. And so Weber goes up 29 to 3 and in the second half, the whole second half of the game, they have negative 2 total yards of offense. Weber does. It's like they just packed it up and went home. They just went three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, punt. But their defense is good enough. You know, Northern Iowa put a couple touchdowns on, but they were down by 26 points. You know, you couldn't come back. Um, You know, common opponents, uh, they they beat UC Davis by 16 points. They went to Sacramento State. They beat Sacramento State in Sacramento. Uh, We talked about this a little bit last week. That was the game where Kevin Thompson got knocked out. But so – and the okay, the yeah, but they knocked Kevin Thompson out. It would have been a different game. They were up twenty three ten when they knocked Kevin Thompson out. So, uh, and then of course they had their little their their escape against North Dakota. So they have, um, they're they're three weeks in a row of beating teams with winning records. Uh, Davis and then Sac and then North Dakota. And so this is this is the best team. I'm just gonna throw Oregon out. This I, this is this is the best team that we will have faced all year. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, well, hold on, timeout. Absolutely, in the sense of the best team that we actually realistically have a chance of beating. They're not better than Oregon. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Was, I said State. I'm throwing. Sorry. Out. I threw. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. The... <laughs> well, you know, Oregon's only ranked number six, Mike, yeah. and Weber's ranked number three. I just didn't want some asshole to correct us on Egris oh. and be like. No, they have a trio. Mike, are you saying there's assholes on Egress? Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Mike, for falling on that one for me. <laughs> yeah, they have a trio of linebackers uh, that are phenomenal, and yeah. they've got a big front. Um, you know, their left end is 6'5", 275. They got two D tackles. That left end is that Williams? Yeah. Yeah, he's he was first team all conference. He's on the Buchanan watch list. I mean, he's... A dude. He's six yeah. foot five, fellas. Like when you think about the left tackle, usually has some sort of advantage because he's got they're bigger. Usually they're rangier. They can get their hands on the defender before you know the defender can get into them. But this guy is as big as our left tackle. He's this guy is the size as, of our left tackle. He's the same height as Beaver. And probably no, he's more athletic than our than okay. our tackle. <laughs> okay, you know, and then. Uh, in the middle, they've got two guys that are six three, six two, mm-hmm. you know, three hundred pounds essentially a piece. I mean, they're 
they're stoppers. They're, they're run stoppers. They're the number one run defense. We're the number two. For a reason. It's, gonna have, I mean, it's hard to get them off the line of scrimmage. So, I mean, But what's interesting is they're beatable in the sense that yeah. they've given up some I mean, fucking Mason Petrino scored 35 points. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, yeah, they average. They they only give up like 21 points a game. Yep. They score 30. I think we score 30 against basically any team. Mm. What about Oregon? Mike? What about Oregon, Mike? Mike. Are we talking about Oregon? Um, <laughs> I didn't ask you. No, I um, think we score thirty against any team. So I'm, I'm wondering, are they going to score thirty-two against us? Yeah, tough to say. I, I think, like what Weber does is they get a little bit of a lead, and then they hold the ball forever. One of their games, I think, when they beat Davis, they had the ball for forty-two minutes. Of clock time. Weaver had it for 18 minutes. Weaver. Uh, Davis had it for 18 minutes. Yeah, I mean, they just, like, that game so was what it fascinating is, to watch. It's like, it's like we get a lead, and then we're just going to run, 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 run. That Marshawn Lynch, you know, again and again and again and again and again. Is there any deeper meaning to take yeah, out of this? Yeah, this? motherfucker doesn't want someone running through your face all day or something. <laughs> it's like, that, that, the that's, that's their is, game plan. It's like they score points, but they go through big stretches where their offense doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look, you know, have we gone through their schedule yet and kind of talked about who they played each step of the way? Because it's like... Sure, a little bit. Yeah, so San Diego, Brent said, we they lose 0-6. Then 41-24 to against Cal Poly. Okay. Nevada, they lose, you know, within a touchdown. 13-19. Yep. Okay. Northern Iowa, they beat by 12, 29-17. Okay. Idaho, 41 so they put up 41 on Idaho. They gave up 35 okay. to Mason Petrino's offense. 35, they did get up. Idaho had a kick return touchdown, end of the game. Yep. Southern Utah, they score 29. They give up 14. Yeah. Tied 7-7 at the half. Northern Arizona, they score 51 against that horrible, horrible defense. defense. I think the three of us playing all of Northern Arizona's 11 could score a touchdown. Wait, if we just did 7-on-7 seven seven Skelly with us three and our four picks from Egris fandom, <laughs> we're scoring. I'm telling oh, you that we're, put, we're putting up double yeah. digits, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but still, like, uh, you know, they gave up 28 points against a fairly – Potent Northern Arizona offense, so they were. I, mean, I guess by they were down at the half. They're down twenty-one fourteen. And then you could score twenty-eight against them. Why can't we? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think we score at least thirty this game. It's just a bold statement. It's a bold statement. Uh, UC Davis, they win thirty-six to twenty. Okay. Sac State, they win thirty-six to seventeen. Yeah, and Sac State lost their QB, though they were winning 23 when 10. he got yep. hurt. So it's yep. like the narrative. I mean, that's tough. Yep. And then last week against North Dakota, again, fluky things happen that allow Weber to win. But regardless, they beat the team in front of them 30 to 27. Yep. If North Dakota can score 27 against them, why can't the Grizz? Why can't the Grizz? So here's the thing. Here's why. And Brent, maybe I cut you off there. Cause... No, you're good. No, I, I, I'm following you here. I think he, I know where you're going. Here's might be why is we haven't really played a complete game. What happens if we get down 10-0 against Weber because we 
we come out dead in the first quarter like we have every single fucking game. I mean, I think against Weber, I think we could still come back. <laughs> we come back down 10-0 going into the second quarter? Mm-hmm. Brent, what do you think? Mm. I don't know. Consider, I don't know. Consider that, let's just say we get 10 minutes less. That's the thing. In the it's game. Like, so if we're down 10-0 and maybe we go to halftime down... 13-7 or 13-3, we have, like, Weaver's game plan will be we have three to four possessions left to win that football game. That's it. That's what they're that, – now, can they do it versus – but they will come out and they will say, we are going to take 10 minutes a quarter of the ball. Montana, you got three to four touches. Can you, can you find the end zone three to four times – two to three times? Weber State's red zone defense, touchdowns allowed, 38% of the time. That's like <laughs> best red zone defense. And so this is what Weber does. Like you, And it's like there have been teams, fucking southern Utah passed for 300 yards on these guys. Mason Petrino had 260 yards. They let you do a little bit between the 20s, and then they just they squeeze you up, and then you kick a field goal. Okay, but then, you know, they grind, 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 grind. Third quarter, it's like this 235-pound guy, this is like your 90th time to try to tackle him, and he runs you over. And it's like they get in the end zone, they get in the end zone. And now you're trading punts and occasional field goals for 10-minute drives and touchdowns, and that's how Weber wins football games. So it's like 10-0, end of first, not the end of the world, but um, down double scores – Face at the half, facing what Weber's game plan is going to be is is a you know I mean I think the Grizz can do it I believe they're going to do it but it's like that is you play right into what they what they do to win football games. Here's I think how a, how a loss shakes down is it is the second half we're within four points let's say. Mm-hmm. And they are grinding with these 200-pound running backs, chopping off four yards at a time. Mm-hmm. And they've got their third first down in a row on, on the ground. And they play action pass over the top because we have seen that we're susceptible a little bit to the deep play. And then they're up 11. Yep. And there's a quarter left. I mean, that's their game time. plan. Isn't that the game plan? Yeah. So it's going to take, I think, some remarkable discipline by our secondary and our linebackers when it's not easy to be disciplined. You want our safeties to be disciplined? I, it would be ideal, Mike. But, I mean, like Brent said, I think we can do it. I think we still have – we have yet to play our best game. And if we're down 10-0 because we've turned the ball over three times in a row – no, that's we not don't deserve. Work. We don't no. deserve to win the game. No. You're right. We I don't deserve to be the number three team in the country. No, and that's what it comes down to. It's like we. It's if there was ever a time to to man up and play your complete game, this is it. You know, it's like you don't get these opportunities very often. It's in front of you. What do you think we have to do on the offensive side of the ball against this team? Like, what is it? What does a win look like offensively for us? Well, I mean, 
not to pull John Madden on you, you know, score points in the other team. Yeah. Score some points in the other team here. My Great Falls high friends have an old coach dart expression, mm-hmm. and apparently he used to you know, like chant, maximize points, minimize turnovers. <laughs> that, that was his like coachism. Excellent. We should make that our motto, the Grizz fan bond. Maximize points, minimize turnovers. Uh, Grizz fan bond. Um, what's a win? I think a win is controlling the clock. I think that it's converting through short passes. I don't think that we're going to find all kinds of room to run. I think we're going to want to, and maybe we will, because that kind of seems to be the thing. But it's like Idaho kind of shut our running game, running game down to an extent. I mean, Osmo had a good game, but it's like we didn't run for a ton of yards overall. No. Portland State kind of did the week before. So it's like... I think that the key to the game, honestly, is Snead being able to make some plays and roll out of the pocket yep. and keep them honest. Because I do think, you know, you went through that schedule, and it's like I think Snead's definitely in the upper half of QBs they've faced this year. Yeah. I mean, I, Snead's probably a better QB than Nevada has. I don't know who Nevada has, but they're not that good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, you got to f- – you need to put the game the the game in Jake Constantine's hands. The yes, Weber exactly. quarterback. Now they will they'll rotate in this other kid that they got, this younger kid who's what the heck is his name? Um Caden Jenks. Jenks. But like Constantine is a worse quarterback than Mason Petrino. Um he's what? Uh nine touchdowns, seven picks or something like or seven touchdowns, six picks. 180 yards a game. I so, mean, he's just he's he's not even a game manager. I think what what I mean I do on defense is I mean obviously you try and do what you've been doing, which is beat the hell out of the QBs and pressure and all that. Yeah. If Weaver's O line proves too good to do that, I think you shift your focus to let's force him to stay in the pocket. Yeah. And actually beat us throwing because yes. I don't think he can. No. Like, you know what? You know, cheat up to stop the run. Trust that you can do man on man. Even if even if we give up some plays, even if we give touchdowns, some penalties. I don't think he's good enough to consistently do it. So if we can't get to him, let's at least make sure he doesn't roll out. Let's keep him in the pocket yep. and, and force him to beat us with his arm. Yep. I think this is the biggest game they've played this year. Like obviously this is the FCS game of the yep. week, but you know sure is. they played against forty thousand people at San Diego State. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's a wet forty thousand. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, that's they're not jacked up, and it was six to zero. What the f- <laughs> you know, they played against fourteen thousand at Nevada. I think Wagriz has an opportunity to be Wagriz this yep. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We can it has to be fill needs to be that place. I I think that's the X factor. Mm-hmm. I think our special teams again is the X factor. They continue to confound teams. Like they were impactful against Idaho. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, that's what, yeah. We're I think to we, that end. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but they've got a dangerous returner. We talked about Yeah. This is the number one returner in Jerry Louie McGee versus the number two returner in uh, Rashid Shaid. And these two guys are statistically the best two punt returners in the big sky. Uh, and Shahid has missed a couple of games, but he's back, and he actually leads the team in touchdown receptions with three. So he's uh, number twenty-two. He's a guy. He's he's a guy we're going to be seeing a lot. But you know, Weber offensively in that pass game, 
some Idaho similarities. They got like one dude and then a couple of little playmaker guys that do a few things, but, and a QB that's just, just there. So, um, of course what Weber has is this kind of three headed monster, maybe two headed in this case of running backs and an amazing O-line. And also point out to me as well by, uh, our guy, Jay, um, if you looked at their depth chart, they're too deep. Six seniors on the whole team. Wow. <laughs> on the that is so deep. impressive for a team. That's, they've made and the so playoffs like, the last two years. They made the playoffs. They have gotten better. They have lost four Big Sky Conference games in the last four years. This is what Bobby Houck was building 10 years ago. With some exceptions. Bobby had better QBs, better receivers, and... But it's like this is a this is Jay Hill, like this whole oh what would we have done I don't know it's hard to say this this isn't what Bobby would have still had if he wouldn't have left kind of thing but it's like this shows like Jay Hill took this kind of recipe of what Bobby had done for some reason can't seem to find a QB very well and uh, and the way Weber has lost their games in the playoffs is take the runaway enough that you force Jake Constantine it's third and five third and six, third and seven, QB's got to throw the ball. Or you're down. You're down 10. You're down 14. It's the third quarter. It's the fourth quarter. It's like you can't just keep handing the ball off, and that's like lights out. That's how you beat Weber. So so we play, you know, this kind of unique front, right? We got, mm-hmm. we got three guys down with their hand in the turf, three linebackers, and then – Well, we kind of play a little – like the, that third linebacker kind of – it's almost a flex. It's a flex, yeah. Or whatever but he played a little bit more straight linebacker last year. Yeah. So. Sure. So, I mean, like how many guys do you think we see in the box? Or how many guys Seven do we send? Do we think if we put eight in the box... Then we're well, going one on one. It's gonna be seven, <clears throat> right? Be seven in the we'll, box. We'll have we'll have two safeties up top, two corners cover everyone else in the box. Would be my guess. Uh-huh. But you know where we got this defense from? San Diego State. Who held Weber to 154 total yards of offense and didn't let them score any points? Are we as good as San Diego State on defense? No. And I think but they played their backup QB. Weber. Weber. Yeah, that's right. Jenks did play that game. Yeah, I think Constantine was out in that game. So, uh, but still, it's uh, I mean, it, you know, a game where they they had a lot of the, and we've got that kind of direct connection still with San Diego State. So. Um, do you think this gives Jay Hill, like, did did playing San Diego State give him a sneak peek at what the Grizz are going to do? Or do you think at this point in time there's enough of us on film? Probably yeah. there's enough of us on film and also they're a good enough team that it's like, you know. It's about execution Yeah, at this it's like point. they should be able to line up and, and beat anybody at this level. Yeah, and San Diego State's coach, what's, that, what's his name? Rocky Long or whoever it is. Yeah. I mean, he's been there forever. They've run that defense forever. So that wasn't any, like, big surprise. It wasn't like they got – Surprised with a new defense. I'm just yeah. thinking maybe the players, like, are they going to be more comfortable with this scheme? It seems to be unique for a lot of teams we play. Potentially. You know, um, another thing that what I like about this, that this defense has done, is we have been rotating the front, the defensive line, and the linebackers. Because this is a, this is a game where Weber's game plan is to wear you out. And so if we have these series where you've got Ryder Rice – and Mamula and Babros and Deming and Alfred and Gubner, and they're all rotating around on the D-line. 
Uh, and then, you know, linebackers, so Jace Lewis and Dante, but then you're going to mix in a little bit of Wellnell or you're going to mix in just a little bit of some of these other linebackers. That's Keep guys point. a little fresh. Get that get in that fourth quarter where Dante's not had to play 60, 70 snaps already like there's there's some the merit to that that we should be able to keep our guys a little more fresh as you get into that fourth quarter of course who else does this weber state yeah (laughs) but that's a good point like if if you consider us to have a like a solid front six yeah we play 11 dudes yeah when patrick o'connell i didn't even mention it is crazy the rotation you know you talk about weber only having so many seniors like man our d-line yeah, so it's, this this is this is this is an amazing chess match. You have Jay Hill, the current best coach in the conference, against Bobby Houck, who is a year ahead of RTD. Like this is the mantra: we are coming back to take take what is ours. And so you have the guy on the throne versus the return, like <laughs> the return challenger here. You know, it's like he's back. And you know, maybe this matchup, maybe it's maybe it's going to be too early for Montana uh, to be able to put in the full fight, um, but it's going to be a hell of a game. I'm so excited for this game. Yeah, and you know, like as as much as I, you know, really like want to win this game, like we don't have to win this game. No, I mean that's and that's we talk about this. It's like if they don't win this game and they come back and they beat the Cats. We still are in the conversation for the seven or eight seed, probably. Yes. And and honestly, we're so young, we're still growing as a yeah. team. Yeah. It's a hell of a learning experience, just it like is. this team learned from all the letdowns last year. Yep. But I even think that they can. They're still learning week to week. Like the team that we see next week, I think we could potentially see a better team three weeks from now, two weeks from now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, agree. It feels like. And it's like you hate to put this on them, but it feels like some of the teams in Houck's first run where it's like we just got better and better as the year went on. And then all of a sudden we're in November and December and we've won like seven straight games. <laughs> and it's like we get to the semis or we get to the championship. And it's like, yeah, those we never quite put – but it's like we would dominate the second half of the season. So it's yeah. like I'm, we are playing Weber at the right time and in the right place. We are. Yeah, yeah. And this is – Easily the best Grizz team we've had in how many years? Since 2011. 2011, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm I literally, I was telling Brent after the Idaho game that I came back Sunday night. He came back Monday. And it's like, I should have just stayed gone longer because I have to freaking work and get through this week to get to the football game on Saturday. And it's been a long time since I've like been that excited about a Grizz game. Yep. You know, that's like reserved for the playoffs. Yep. Yep. All right, Grizz, Grizz fan, Grizz fan pod listeners, I want you guys to pull out a pencil right now. Pull out your phone. Write this down. 406-243-4051. That's the that's the phone number for the box office and ticket information. I was wondering where you were going with. Or the- you can <laughs> you can call eight 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 Montana. That's toll free. <laughs> you can email at grizztix t i x at umontana.edu. Or just go to grizztix.com. Go to grizztix.com. I mean, go to this game. This is the best game in college football this weekend. I think at all levels. College game day should be here. I mean, yeah. I mean, if the argument was they went to the other one because it was a top, yeah. But they're not coming. They're scared. Um, Whatever. Yeah. This is 
like we as fans, what we can do is we can go, we can be crazy and we can not try to let Weber take away our energy in the first quarter or let the lack of Montana production take away. So, I mean, and this is going to be, I think the biggest tell is going to be where we're at at halftime. Mm-hmm. If we're in striking distance, I mean, and Grizz have done this. We did this against Davis. Like we came out red hot in a game where we were projected to lose and people were like, well, let's just see how we do. And we came out red hot and we just put it to them. And it's like, if that goes that, I mean, that's going to, you've got to think these coaches just know, like if we can come out, can you imagine this? Like we go to halftime and it's like 17, six Grizz and we've got some big plays and stuff. It's like that stadium is going to be on fire and it's, it's, should set up for one hell of an afternoon. And even though if we if we go to half and it's 10 to 3 Weber, like we're we're in the fight and we can go, but you just you you need you need the full encouragement of a full house behind you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's going to be exciting. So, I mean, before we get to the picks, I mean, any other kind of notes about this game that we should be talking about? Not for me. I mean, that's, I mean, it's like I we we put it up. I we and I think we've kind of touched on. It. I see a lot of things that we re, we really gotta gotta focus on. This is a lot of stuff, but take away the run, score enough points, and uh, try to try to get out of those red zone trips. Get some touchdowns versus field goals. Like right. if you can outpace, that's gonna be the big thing. All right, Brent, you've already put this out on Egris. What do you what do you think's happening here? Thirty one twenty eight Grizz get the wow, win. That's what I think. I uh, heart attack game. Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't see how we're gonna blow them out. I, I mean, I, I don't. I think that's I such a weird expectation. I don't see how they're gonna blow us out either. I agree with that. Unless like, if there's I, just like, some weird ass crap, like again, like the sack game, like we lo- we lost Alton Sneed in the game, and the wheels fell off the bus. Like weirder stuff has happened. It's it's football. It's the way stuff goes. But like. If if the guys who come in play full contribute and things don't get crazy, it it I I see I see the Grizz winning very close, or I see Weber just kind of doing what Weber does, putting a couple touchdowns up in the fourth quarter that we can't match, and then they get out of there with that. That's that's the two ways I see it. But I do think the Grizz are going to get this. Jake Constantine, Washington Grizzly, hostile environment. Grizz defense is continuing to look great. It's going to be a tough one, but I like us. Luke? I think it's going to be 38, no, no, 34-28. Okay. I think it's a little wider margin. I think that they score too big, like, play action, like, Oh my God! We had them like <laughs> oh. touchdowns, safeties chasing a receiver kind yeah. of thing into the end zone. They're gonna have yeah. two of those, but otherwise, <laughs> they're gonna you know they're gonna have a possession where they get a short field because of special teams, maybe even a turnover. Yeah, they're gonna score, um, but I don't think that they're going to be able to shut us down offensively. And I think the reason, I think the reason is because Dalton Sneed is a fucking gamer like he's he's not gonna shrink from the moment he's gonna throw bold passes he's gonna score touchdowns for us he's gonna take off he's gonna affect the game on his feet which is what we need here we we can't have a shrinking you know violet type of quarterback in these big game scenarios he's not that he's not yeah yeah i'm so confident in that dude um i i think i think we're gonna win this game 
Mike? I, th- I think that um, everything Hauk's been doing <clears throat> since he came back has been building towards this. These are the type of games that he wants to be playing in. These are the type of games that he's got the team convinced, like, this should be normal for us. Yeah. This is where we should be. I think losing to Sac State earlier in the year was actually a positive for this game in the sense of they were humbled and they realized that teams can come out and do different things to them. That being said, the what really Sac... I mean, yeah, Sac's, Sac's defense really disrupted us, but what really got us was Sac's offense took us part. And I'm sorry, but Sac's offense and Weber's offense are light years apart from each other. If they're just not the same. That's a good point. So I agree with you on the, I'm sure we see one or two touchdowns or touchdown drives that are completely aided by boneheaded, stupid decisions. <laughs> but other than that, I, I think these, these guys are going to rise to the occasion in a way that we haven't seen in a while. And I think we're going to win by 10 plus. Wow. What the score is, I don't know, but I'm, I, I just think, I think it's all been building this. And I think this team right now in Washington Grizzly Stadium, they're going to have a belief that they can get it done. Like it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait for Saturday. It's funny. I mean, it's like we've been talking about it. It's like I, I cannot tell you the last time I had a feeling of excitement so far out about a game. Like <laughs> for Weber State. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Weber State. <laughs> Barbecue you, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, so we've got the games. We are sitting on two hours, four minutes. All right. Let's I answer. I think we've got some questions, questions. to get to. Huh? Some questions. All right. Mike, um, what do you want to do? I can pull up Twitter right now and start there. Does that work? Yeah. I got All both right. up in front of me. So, so yeah. our our boy, Brian Morseau. Am I saying that right? Sure. Uh, he will correct us if we don't, but I believe it's Morseau. Luke. Now the way you say it is messing me up. Brian, I'm sorry. There was a kid that lived in Shelby, uh, a family that had the same last name. Gavin Marceau. Okay. That was his name. Marceau. So, Marceau. Um, Got it. He wants to know how much Grizz Street cred does he get for picking Montana to win 42-17. Um, check the tape. He, I did listen to the uh, of the club last week. Interesting takeaways. Um, Brian gets legitimate cred from us because he's a rational yeah. fan. Like, I don't think his brain works in a way that he could not be rational. He's so analytical. Yeah, like it's like he just just the facts, ma'am. You know, like those of him. And he's a good follow. And I think that if you guys like if you like Big Sky basketball, I think you should find him on Twitter and follow him because I think that he really. And I don't know, I've never talked to him about it, but I think that he likes basketball more than football. Like, he is, he's a very bright hmm. guy. So anyway, cool. um, you yes. get plenty of cred from All us. All the cred. Um, uh, good follower, uh, Joel Chipman, um, says, take a way too early look at the 2020 schedule and give us your record prediction. Um, undefeated. Undefeated, un- dude. Undefeated. Let's pull this up. Okay, I got so, it up. Oh, I've, got, I've got it too. Cam Humphrey, MVP. Um, well, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> I tell you, I hate one thing about this schedule right off the bat. Okay, I'm going to say that you think... <laughs> i got to pull it out. Oh, I know. Uh, we The FCS are at a conference schedule. You just yeah, We open with Central Washington. Right. Just yeah. not an FCS win. Now, the committee will tell you they don't 
count that against you, but it's also not a Division One win. So pisses me off. We've been doing really well, and I get it. Maybe it was just too tough. It's probably too late to buy them out, but if not, Kent, let's do it. What would it cost to buy them out? I mean, I'm sure it's like our guarantee sixty thousand bucks. No, or something like that. well, I, I, after because after that's after their travel expenses. And yeah, stuff like that. I felt like we bought a Division Two school out like uh, five, six, seven years ago, and it was sixty five, seventy five, eighty. So something maybe a like little that. more. Yeah. yeah, but you know, have yeah. Other, I mean, outside of that Central Washington, I'm okay with the schedule beyond we, that. We so Missouri State. We go to Missouri State. Win. Moorhead State. Dub. At home. Cal Poly. Cal oh. Poly at home for dub. homecoming. Should be a dub. At Eastern. We go to Eastern. Tough. That'll with be tough. With Eric Berry as a senior. That'll be tough. That's going to be... It's toss-up. That's toss-up. It's toss-up. Toss-up. Then we have a bye week before yes, we, we face Sac Shit, State. Shit, another bye at before home. Sac. <laughs> yeah. Sac State at home, though. We get them at home. We yeah. get them at home. Kevin Thompson, Anna Lash Dotson, all those guys come back. If, but some of their defensive... Unless if Kevin Thompson grad transfers to Montana. Graduate... And a couple of their alignment graduate. Like, I think they're going to be good, but I think remember Toss Davis up to this year. Montana. Like, yeah. it's like I think that it's hard to be that dominant two years in a row. I think it's a toss up to lean Montana. Okay, I like it. At Idaho, dub dub versus Southern Utah, <laughs> dub dub dub. At dub. Northern Colorado, dub win. At Northern Arizona, without Case Cookies, without Case Cookies. Dumb. No, he's got another year, doesn't he? No, oh, he's done. I he's, thought he could apply senior. for another medical redshirt. Oh, Jesus, of course. Case, I think you should apply for medical redshirt and transfer to Montana. <laughs> um, I think that's a win. I, I think, think it's a, that's a, that's like that's like our kryptonite spot where it's tough. Like yeah. it it would should be win, but lean to toss up. Just it all depends because NAU like they're doing right now, they kind of fall apart at the end of the year. And then versus Montana State to end the season. Duh. That's at home. Dub. I'm gonna call that a dub. <laughs> Why not? It's too but far out. To honestly, say honestly, like who knows? You know, Cat Grizz is always a coin flip. So initial but... look at the schedule is we should be a playoff team. <laughs> should be a top five team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Joel, great question. We are not going to have the strength of schedule to fall back on, so we need to take care of business. Yeah. Win them games. Yeah. Great question. Uh, Joel had one more question, which is actually a good one. Do you see the possibility of Robbie Houck being made 37 next year? I know all the rules, but I wouldn't be mad about it given his personal tie to it. Ooh. I have a take on this. I don't know if you guys want me to start this. Absolutely not. Like, I honestly, he didn't graduate from Montana High School. I get his, his history. I get his Montana ties. But I just think, you know, your dad's the coach. You're, it's just, I, I, I get it. But it's like, I think that I think that's that's there's some good guys on defense that graduated from Montana high schools, and I think it's important for recruiting, you know. And it's like I don't think any coach is going to hold it against them for giving it to Robbie Houck if that's what they did. Yeah. But I think there are other guys out there, um, uh, you know, that are it's worth it's going to be Jace Lewis. Is Jace Lewis from Montana? Yeah, yeah, he's from Boulder. How could it not be? How could it not be Jace Lewis? If it's not Jace Lewis, it's Patrick O'Connell. Oh shit! Patrick O'Connell might be too. It'll be Jace Lewis, and then potentially Patrick. O'Connell. It, it was interesting because it felt like to me for a while, thirty-seven, the graduating senior would give it to like a freshman or a sophomore, and then suddenly it was like I'm just going to give it to like the senior and, that's yeah. like coming behind me. So, but, feels like maybe Carson Bender was the last kind of legacy guy. Yeah, yeah. Because then like Trip played it for a year, and 
I mean, that wasn't – it didn't go straight from Bender to Tripp. Yeah, I mean, it's like you look at the juniors on this team, and it's like um, I, there's not, here, here, here's not a lot from Montana. Here's my prediction, yeah. Jace Lewis, Jace. Pat O'Connell. Yeah. And then um, – uh, why am I blanking on his name? He's our he's our boy from Eureka. Um, Greg Graves. 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 He's going to play safety. safety. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I like it. I would, I would be okay with that line of guys. And I love it because – I mean, Bo- Jace Lewis is from Boulder, not a double-A school. And Garrett Graves is from a Class B school. Right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love these small-town Montana 37s. Exactly. And that's, it's like, I so I get the, the thing about Robbie. And it's like, I don't know that, I'm not going to be mad if they went that route. But I just, I don't think they should. Like, I think that we got, you know, it's like, love it or hate it, he did not graduate from Montana High School. He graduated from a high school in San Diego. Yeah. It's not the same thing. Doesn't take anything away from him. Not at all. It's just not the same thing. His dad left us, went to get some coaching jobs, had to go somewhere else. You it give is what it is. You give some things up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the moment we got in trouble with Grizzly Athlon. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Um, so, Mike, why do you hate, Ro- hate Robbie? Hunt? <laughs> <laughs> For the record, to your I, list of controversial opinions, I Mike. I do not hate Robbie Hunt at all. At next you week's guys, QB club, you can you shit all over Robbie in front of Bobby for us, please? Talk about it. It's like we think that he's gonna break the all-time tackle yeah. record. I mean, like I'm, uh-huh. I'm all, all in. But um, next question from Hey, our confirmed guest for Cat Week. Yeah. He will, they will, he will be our second guest ever on the pod. Our first one never left. And now hosts it with us. So um, something tells me. Did Brad and Kyle not count? Are we just oh, pretending that one didn't exist? Oh, they're going to be upset. <laughs> our, they're our, not listening. It's our two hours, 12 Third minutes. guest this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andrew Schmidt, which I think. A Schmidtacular? What an awesome guest for Cat Week, right? Oh, yes. Listen, you guys, I'm going to fanboy a little too hard on this it's, next I mean, week. All right. You know, we could tell him that his his take on, on moving up is just incredibly stupid. But oh, other than that, I plan on that. Um, um, he had a question. Oh, this question. This is a tough one. Oh, no. Are we actually supposed to believe that the Joker put a cell phone bomb in a guy expecting him to get arrested so that he could detonate it and escape after purposefully getting caught by a commissioner, Gordon, who faked his own death? The Dark Knight makes no sense. Luke. We're not supposed to believe that. <laughs> like, it's preposterous. Yeah, it's, it's like, and I think that they're banking on you just thinking like, the Joker is so he's, brilliant that he's steps ahead of you, but that was, it's just, it was too many steps. That's like 14 dimensional chess. Yeah. Like. <laughs> just too many. And it, it, um, I think it ruined the series, actually. The cell phone bomb ruined the series? No, I think that that many jumps, the, the, oh, the, okay. the uh, audience being expected to make that many leaps. I think ruined that era of Batman. The funny thing, though, like because now they're making it again for like the fourth time. But like, but like, you watch that, and it was just like that one. That that Batman was incredible, and and it and was. I actually liked all three of the the Christopher Nolan Batman. I know the the third one, which like I I always get them crossed up. There's like Batman Begins, and then it's like The Dark Knight, and something I can't remember. But um, everyone kind of kind of like because it was same kind of thing like. Mm-hmm. Oh, Batman had time to burn the fucking bat signal in a goddamn building. Like, come on. But it's like when you watch it, like the first time, you're like, God, that's so 
cool. Oh, it was, and then it's like the second time you're like, yes. And then it's like the third or fourth time or like when it just randomly pops up on TBS and it's Sunday afternoon in the spring and there's no sports on. And you're like, how the fuck did they did, like, like <laughs> there's some holes in it now. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, it I still like it. Here, here's the thing though. These movies, I mean, I think the dark Knight and dark Knight rises, like they grossed over a billion dollars worldwide. Like these are made to be widely popular. They're not made to have like seamless like plots, right? It's like when you watch Fast and the Furious, you got to <laughs> understand what you're watching, right? Like they're racing a tank, pulling a dumpster through the middle of Brazil. Uh, anymore, yeah. the Batman series, <laughs> like it's popcorn, right? Like it's well, yeah. I mean, maybe this last one was more like <laughs> shot at Jameson, <laughs> <in> the dark <laughs> bar, <laughs> but. <laughs> You know they're consumer products. They're they're not like a like screenwriting art. Um, yes, I will say that as far as um, Andrew Schmidt questions go, um, he still needs to needs to explain to me the dude fucking the ship <laughs> in Star Wars. <laughs> I don't understand it. But Brent, I have a question for you, and that oh. is. Last night when I was watching Monday Night Football, yes. they gave a preview of a new Star Wars series. The Mandalorian. So are you going to become a Disney Plus subscriber? Um, already am. Have already <laughs> and have already watched The Mandalorian. So <laughs> wow. It's wow. it's a series. It's yeah. Episode one. Very good. Good to know. Very good. Good to know. All right, last Twitter question looks like uh, Nate Little um, at NL Grizz fan, also a good follow on Twitter, um, says I'm sure you're going to get bombed with this one, but Seed Projects. Do I dare say one-on-one? Probably not because we're not losing to the Cats, even if Afonso Johnson and a few others returned. So I think the question is, if they go one-on-one, are they still a seed? I think if they go one-on-one, they're still, there's a chance that they're still a seven. Strong seed, chance. But it's no guarantee, but there's a strong chance. They're going to have a tough schedule. If they go on two, they're still in the playoffs, but no seed. If they win out... There are a three. Top four. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a four, just depending on the matchups they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, you have to count on Northern Iowa for some explicable reason getting a seed. Yeah. But honestly, <laughs> honestly, if, if if North Dakota State's number one, I bet we would be number four. Four. They would like Regionalization. Oh, this side of the, the country semifinal. Yep. But That's fine. Yeah, three or four is a little. Yeah, if, I just keep fucking pump. We're in this conversation. If you, right if you keep handling your business, you have, either have to go to NDSU or go to James Madison. I mean, neither is really super appealing, you know. Yep. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, you know we had uh, Sean Rainey had tweeted something, and I'd reach out to this fan, and it's kind oh, of a, a it's kind of like a big in depth question. But what Sean was saying was, uh, so imagine you're the coach of a new coach of any college program and you can pick 10 Grizz players on the current team with their current years of eligibility, who do you bring? And it's kind of funny because I was like, I thought about it. And then, um, I think, uh, I would, my thought on that is I would, I would go with, like sophomores and retro freshmen that are impact guys. And like uh, Nick Tabor had responded to us on this, and he had Mamula, McGoran, Hauk, Fouch, Gubner, Roberts, Osmo, Mallory, Akem, and Elwell. That's a pretty damn good list. I mean, I don't I'm, know how you, you know, argue with that. Yeah, you know, so it's like I, there's a party that's like, yeah, you know, uh, 
give me Jace Lewis, like have give me like one or two senior studs, but it's like give me all these like redshirt freshmen and sophomores that are just like just coming up. And I'll, we might suck next year, but we'll be a little better the year after, and we will be fucking unstoppable in three years. So, I mean, I'd maybe take Chris, maybe bring Chris Brown over with me. I don't know. I don't like what I see out of the guy. Um, you know, I mean, Nick Osmo, hell yeah. yeah was you know, Sulster on the list? No. Yeah. But that's, but I mean, that's like, a name that stands like, out. Tough one. Like, yeah. like, he's, he's a sophomore. Mitch, yeah. Mitch Roberts. Um, the O-line, some of these O-line guys, Ganaung, um, some of these, you know, a few of these younger guys. It would be kind of fun to take like Mallory just because he's he's fun. Um, <laughs> Need a little attitude. <laughs> uh, and defensively, uh, it's like take your pick. You know? See, I think you need one or two older guys. Like, I mean, I strongly you, consider one of a camera Teray. You. I, I just yeah. think, like, you look at the makeup of, like, let's say NBA championship rosters and stuff. Like, you always see, like, teams paying a guy well past his prime who won't play because they're good locker room practice presences. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you need some good veteran leadership. You don't see young, like, NBA teams winning. Um, obviously, NFL rosters, MLB rosters, they're much bigger. So you're just going to yeah. always have some veterans. Um, but in the NBA, when you only have five starters, maybe seven playoff guys mm-hmm. in the rotation, you need some dudes on the end of the bench. Like Brian Scalabrini probably stuck around for three extra years just because he was a good locker room presence. There's a reason why Carmelo Anthony <laughs> isn't on a team, even though he plausibly would be like have all the knowledge in the world about the NBA and the, and the resume and skill to back it up. Well, the problem is he got suspended from the NBA permanently because he wouldn't give the ball back to the ref. Yeah. <laughs> I just think not a good locker room presence, not a good veteran leader. Like, I think you need a veteran back. leader to, to put on this squad of 10. The one thing would be, like, if you could backtrack it and, like, you're starting the 2019 season, would you bring Dalton Sneed so your young quarterback could, like, see how a QB should act? I don't know that I'd bring Dalton Sneed. If we're backtracking it, I'm bringing Dante Olsen. If I'm picking a one senior, yeah. that's who I'm bringing. Yeah, 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 He's yeah my for sure. Captain. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you can make arguments for Dalton and Dante either way. I, I wouldn't argue with that pick, though. Yeah. So, I mean, pull up Sean's Twitter. Sean Rainey, um, he's got a lot of replies there. It seems like a lot of people are kind of going on that thread of grabbing some of these, you know, young studs that Bobby's br- brought in and is bringing up. So, uh, okay. Ready for Egress? Yep, that's it for Twitter. Uh, I think we kind of touched on this. Grizzlies1982 asked us, if, is it really unnecessary roughness when the QB still has one foot in bounds on the sidelines? No, it's not. No. But it got the flag. So, uh, let's see. Rats of Butte asks, other than quarterback, at which position would you be most excited to have a stud all-conference type of recruit or transfer? So this is looking ahead to 2020. What position? Cornerback. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be quarterback, but corner. I said my second tier is okay. corner. Okay, yep. gotcha. but you said outside of QB. Outside of QB, it's cornerback. Yeah. Then it would be offensive line. Mm. That's fair. I think we're good um, on the line. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think our two biggest needs in the transfer world this offseason are cornerback, and I think we need a veteran QB. I'm not saying that Cam's not going to win the job, 
Um, and I'm really excited about Chris Chris Brown and then the Rostad Rost kid, Rostad yeah. kid from yeah. Hamilton. I just think you want one more veteran guy to round out that room. So, yep. you know, I, and yeah, it, it, it's corner. I think um, the only other spot where it would be a little interesting would be if you could bring in a kid that's like a sophomore or junior or that's a interior linebacker. Um, because oh, we've got some young, so because Dante will be gone, Jace will be a senior, so you've kind of got you're going to have a new guy coming up, presumably well now, uh, who but then by, all, Hill. by all I mean, means is like ready in Hill. They got guys, so but it's just like if you could drop in another guy that could match ish that production, maybe do the Lewis production that he's provided this year to Dante, mm-hmm. it'd be an interesting proposal, but it seems like corner, yeah, okay. <laughs> CDA Grizz, loyal listener, you can choose one of two. The Grizz are guaranteed to win one national championship in the next three years. Sweet. But you, Luke, Mike, or Brent, have to return every punt in practice and games, and the NCAA abolishes the fair catch. You have to try to catch the catchable punts, but you have a concussion-proof helmet, so you won't get injured from above the shoulders. I was going to say, there are other ways I could get injured in this. <laughs> um, or, point number two, you watch from the stands, but the Grays don't make the playoffs in any of the next three years. If I'm not getting a concussion, I'll stand back there and try and get punts huh. because I'm going to fumble the first couple, and then I'm going to get benched. <laughs> and then it'll just be, you know, years and years of glory. <laughs> I told you guys this last a couple weeks ago. I, I sit down the way from a yeah. former player who used to return punts. I never remember his name. He's a big CrossFit guy in town. He's a really nice guy. Um, and he said it's, it's the scariest thing I've ever done. Like, <laughs> Here, here's the thing. I, Is it Shalon? No. No. I'm the only one at this table who has returned some punts Correct. Before. I returned punts in middle school. Oh, well, I got some you. touchdowns in my in my past. Um, honestly, it's freaky, and it's really hard to catch a punt in North Central Montana when the wind is blowing <laughs> like super hard. Um, I I would do it for sure. Hell yeah! Like one, I get a play. That's amazing. Um, so that's cool. Like two. Like to win a national championship, would I experience some pain? Like, oh, for sure. All these players experience pain. Yeah. Like, let me do it. I'll try. Oh man. The problem is, is like <laughs> we've talked about like taking hits directly and being shifty enough to like not take a hit. Yeah. You know, like I think I would take every hit squarely because I am the least bit shifty <laughs> <laughs> as a thirty-five-year-old adult. I would just. Try like hell to catch it and then just fall over. And then just I don't fall even over. Care. Just be like, I'm catch down. it falling backwards. <laughs> like, man, he's really good about catching the ball, falling backwards. I think I could catch some punts though. I played outfield, you know, I was a baseball player. I could catch fly balls. Like, I think I could catch a punt. I was a third baseman, so yeah. it would just be brutal, dude. Okay. Well, so Soldier Grizz says the wrong answer gets you banned. I don't think anyone did the wrong answer and said <laughs> Put me in the stands. I'm afraid of getting hit. Put me in, coach. Okay, so next question requires you to observe a photo. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Of Paul Petrino. We got it. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. What does this photo remind you of? One, 
a discarded, sun-bleached, empty peanut shell laying in the gutter. (laughs) (laughs) Or two, a discarded, (laughs) sun-bleached, empty peanut shell laying in the gutter with a sub-300 winning percentage. (laughs) That one. I think that one speaks for itself. (laughs) That's a great question. So beware the... Who sent that one in? uh, Paws. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) So uh, beware the D, who apparently said that Mike pointed out it was the one good question from Igra's last week, so he said he was going to ask worse questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually has another pretty good question. Um who are the most delusional slash terrible fans in the FCS, FBS, and NFL? FCS, North Dakota State. North Dakota State fans are so unbearable. How you look at it. North Dakota State fans on fucking Facebook this year thought they could beat Alabama on a neutral field. Yes. Okay? That's obnoxious. Uh, They're posting about how they could beat Minnesota by 14 points right now, like if they played this week. North Dakota State fans are terrible people. There's no fucking way that they're beating them. (laughs) (laughs) They they find these weird computer algorithms and post it, and they're like, we lose to Alabama by two in Tuscaloosa. If we meet them on a neutral field, it's us. It's like. Guys, guys, no. And you could say cat fans. I mean, that's the that's the cop out pick to me. North Coast State fans are obnoxious. I think I have the FBS pick. Go, Notre Dame. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think they're over. I think they're overestimated every year. It's like this historical bias that's. Like steeped in old white man baby boomer memory, <laughs> and I just don't think they're that good. Like year in and year out, they let down routinely. Maybe you could make a like you could make a case for recent Michigan since they had Harbaugh, but yeah, like seriously, Notre Dame, Notre Dame isn't gonna be it, dude. Like, yeah, your team has like tough academic standards in an overly religious school. With cold weather. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm going to LSU. Did you guys see that LSU video of after the game? Yelling at the Alabama recruits? They were like talking to the Alabama. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I lo- they ran over to where they were sitting and they were like, you know, like, reconsider. Like, come take a visit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. That is, but that's quality. I'll tell you where those kids aren't considering. Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Are you kidding me? Um, I would say. If on the FBS level, I would add the Florida schools collectively to it. <laughs> okay. and, yeah. uh, just because I feel like ever since, you know, Florida won a couple national championships with Tebow, and then Florida State won one with Jameis Winston. 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 That's all I'm going to say about him. Because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> um, I feel that those Florida schools think that they are this year's the year that they're going to turn the corner, and they're just fucking delusional. They're just bad. Florida's okay this year, but I mean, it, it, yeah. Anyway, here's a funny story. I want to I want to flip this on the Grizz, and this is going to give me some hate. The Grizz, the Grizz could be there a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah. And so oh, here's he, here's a funny anecdote from the outside looking in. Uh, my boss, Mike's actual neighbor, he came to the University of Montana by way of Auburn, and. Um, 
and you know he he came here for lifestyle reasons. He should not be here. He's a wonderful professor. Doesn't listen to this pod, so he has no idea that I'm like talking about. He's him one of way. those guys that we are lucky to have at our university. Yep. Well, he was saying like when he interviewed here, people were like, like some people were like, oh. We've got a really good football team. The atmosphere is amazing. Like you should check out a Grizz game. And he's like, Auburn. Um, yeah, you know he's being polite and stuff. He's like, I I lived through the Cam Newton Auburn years. He's like, tailgating doesn't stop in football season. <laughs> He goes, we have budget problems. He's like, they'll fart out a $10 million building off of football proceeds like every year. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and, you know, if you really know his resume, he also has an App State, App State stop. That's, that's so where he like, started, just yeah. just this whole, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. you should check. It's, and it's funny because yeah. it is fun and we should be proud of it. Um, but I think sometimes people who think that this is the only place in the world that you can uh, experience <laughs> awesome tailgating, it's like, Take our atmosphere and times it by four, and that's what you get in some of those SEC schools. You know, it's like yeah. four times the fans, four times the tailgating, and if there's that many more people, then people are doing bigger and better things. Fascinating. What about NFL fan base? Besides Patriots, well, this fans. year the Browns fans coming in. <laughs> yeah, <Yo. laughs> and I hate to say it because I feel bad for those guys, but this year it was the Browns. Um, overall. Hmm. Cowboys, right? I think that the Cowboys have to be up there because it's like always we're turning the corner, turning the corner. We're America's team. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, no, shut up. <laughs> um, Seahawks fans are just fucking obnoxious. Hate them. <laughs> yeah. So we just I mean, alienated a Patriots fans. Patriots fans. They're 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 unbearable. And then, but they win. I mean, like I, they win. Patriots fans can say whatever the fuck they want at this point. Then you get like uh, you know like Philadelphia fans who are like just crazy people. Not on the level of like Buffalo Bills, but that was like when was it the Vikings played Philly in the NFC championship two years ago? And there's like videos of Vikings fans, like walking to the stadium and just Philly fans are just throwing full cans of beer at them and stuff. It's like, come the fuck on. Yeah. Like, you know, the Philly booed Santa Claus yeah. like ever since then. <laughs> um, so I was at a, before we went to San Francisco, I was in, in Bozeman cause we, um, Berkshire, we, we do a statewide convention for our agents every year and we rotate back and forth between Missoula and Bozeman. So I was in Bozeman the first half of the week, and we had um, a guy that works for um, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services on the corporate level, and he used to be the CEO of Realtor.com. Very interesting guy to talk to. He's he's a yeah. I met him. <laughs> I, I introduced him to Brent at uh, at the NAR convention. Um, but the most interesting thing about him is he's got this really thick New England accent, this Boston accent, yeah. and he is a huge Patriots fan. He was actually drafted by the Celtics. Oh yeah. no way! Yeah. Um, but huge Patriots fan. And he apparently takes very seriously his stance that all their success is due to Tom Brady and very little of it is due to Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the, 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 my opinion of the Patriots fan base is they're at the point now where they're so far beyond everybody else in like recent success <laughs> And like being able to talk shit, that now they have to fight with each other about who is actually responsible <laughs> for this responsible whole <laughs> success. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that kind of fit into that conversation. <laughs> uh, what else? All right, last question. Rats of Butte once again. So another either or win the title this year and miss the playoffs 
every year for the next 10 years or be in the national title contention every year but never win the big game. You know, we asked some, we sent we some similar like to this, that. and I would take the be in the title comp, comp Agreed. conversation every year. Because to me... 10 years of missing playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's like to me, the experience of Grizzly football every year and getting excited and believing you have a chance, it's part of the fun. It and is, it is. Yeah, I mean, I would want to win in those years, and that would suck, but... Yeah. Yeah. I agree, Mike. Yeah. That's it. That's what we got for questions. Awesome. So you guys may have noticed we uh, we cut out the BWR on the check down last week. We're not going to do them this week either. We, We're at... Two hours, 35 minutes. Two hours, 35 minutes. We feel like that's the sweet spot for us is yep. right in there. Um, there. Those will make appearances over you know the future, just when it, when it needs to happen. But I did have a couple people ask where they went. One guy on Twitter, yeah. and Luke, we love you. Not, not you, Luke. Um, no. Big fan. Luke Grounds. And then uh, my sister, who listens to oh. it just to hear my voice because we don't talk on the phone enough. <laughs> <laughs> so apologies to all of you. Um, Anything else you guys want to talk about this week? I'm good. Yeah, that's good, man. Just get to the stadium. Go. Get to the stadium. Tweet at us what you're doing to get other people to come with you. Let's just let's fill this place. This needs to be the best atmosphere we've had since that that Northern Iowa um, playoff game in 2011. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Come come see us at the tailgates. Absolutely, we'll be there. Come find us. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. If you guys got nothing else, if we uh, know you, we'll see you sooner. Come see us at the game. If not, we'll talk to you next week. Go Grizz. Fight Fight on. on.